Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you're listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 106 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast. Now it is a very special crossover podcast with the boys from the Come On You Fords cast, but we'll bring them in a little bit later on. But as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my dad, Lee Robinson. How are we doing, dad? Okay, thank you, and welcome to uh, Thursday Night's Podcast, episode 106. Yeah, like you said, it's a crossover tonight. Um, we're sort of ch- chatting with these guys. It's quite exciting, really. It's not much heritage tonight, or we might throw some heritage in, but it's, we're talking about Wakefield Cass. Obviously, we've got a great big game tomorrow, which we're all excited about, but I still love the old heritage side of things as well, so we'll be sort of looking back on the uh, 207 previous Trinity games way back to 1921. So uh, all good stuff tonight. Superb stuff. And yeah, it is a Thursday night. It's nice and bright outside. The, uh, the sun's out a little bit. And as I've mentioned, boys, Ross and Adam from the Come On You Fordscast, welcome to the podcast, lads. I say welcome to the podcast. It's your podcast as well. So I'll bring you in, Ross, and you can do your own little introduction for your episode 10. Thank you very much. The sun is shining this side of the common as well, I can assure you at the moment. Um, yeah, we're a fair bit behind you. Not quite 106, but welcome to episode 10 of the Coivecast. Technically, I'm Ross, as always. Um Still not an official co-host, I suppose, Adam, but we are only 10 <laughs> episodes in. It's the third time we've had Adam, so I think we can pretty much elevate you at this point, mate. Um, but yeah, really love, really look forward to this. Um, obviously, a massive, massive game tomorrow. Plenty to discuss uh, historically, obviously just talking about the game itself. Um, plenty to get into. In- genuinely interested to hear a, a, a different side to it as well. We've only done kind of some very, very cast-centric stuff. We've not really had... Um, a view from the opposition, really, on our podcast so far. So I'm really interested. Obviously, it's a perfect game for that. Um, so, yeah, Adam, before we get uh, any further, uh, how are you, mate, first and foremost? I'm good, guys. I'm good. It's great to be uh, with these guys from the Wakefield Heritage Podcast as well. A big thank you for them inviting us along and uh, us talking about quite an interesting game for both sides. Um, a lot of nerves going into this one. So I'm sure we've got plenty to talk about and a lot to kind of discuss from not only the game tomorrow, but also the year that has uh, kind of gone before us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Jamie, I guess probably a good place to start, isn't it? Nerves, how are they? Yeah, good, good. I feel... I feel probably a little bit more optimistic than you boys, I imagine. Um, I was telling you all before the podcast, I've been to every home game this season. Dad goes to every single game possible. And tomorrow's the first home game I can't actually go to because I'm out of the country. Um, so if I can find a screen in Belfast, if anybody's listening from Belfast who can put the game on at 8pm tomorrow, but I'll definitely be there. But um, nervous, 100%. Definitely very nervous. But I'm, I am optimistic. Our home form at the minute is fantastic. We won four in a row. It's our best form at home in four years since we won five in a row in 2019. Um, and I, I believe, I, I think we're in our white kit tomorrow, um, from what I hear. Um, and we've won every we've, we've won every game recently in our white kit. So a little bit of superstition from us. Um, you boys, since, I mean, since you've last played, you've got a new coach, you've got a new brand spanking uh, playmaker in Blake Austin. So that does make me a little bit nervous because Austin, when we beat Leeds a couple of weeks ago, um, Blake Austin was probably their only shining light um he, he he causes a few problems um and I do like Danny Ward he did a good job at London and I was hoping Andy Last would stick around for a little bit longer <laughs> um he's a good bloke he's lasted we don't know him too well but we we know people who know him and apparently he's a really solid bloke really down to earth loves his rugby league it's his entire life and obviously it's just not worked out for him he, he was a good assistant coach for us and and at Hull by all means so yeah nervous a bit probably a little bit happier than I'm out of the country but um yeah, how, how are you feeling about it all, Dad? I'm okay. Yeah, you've got to be a little bit apprehensive, haven't you? I'm, I, if, if we'd have had this game 
eight weeks ago, I'd have just thought, well, when we lost, when we lost fourteen on the trot, I just thought, no, we've got not got an else chance. But we've turned it around, you know. We've like you said, we've won our last four home games. We try not to look over our shoulders at what Castleford are doing, but when we have seen you, you've been pretty poor, which we've sort of going, we've sneaked up on you. So we were sort of after fourteen games, we had no points. I think you had four or six. And we've caught you up and we're, we're level on eight. And if we hadn't got stuck by Hull a few weeks ago, then we'd have been above you anyway. But that's if box and maybes. So, yeah, I'm quite confident in our home form. Our star players are coming to form. We've got a couple of new signings thrown in as well. So, uh, yeah, I suppose I'm always nervous when I go to Bellevue. But I think I'm a little bit less nervous at the moment. I don't want to get too cocky and too clever. But I think I'm a little bit less nervous than normal with us being at home. How yeah, are you I'm... boys feeling with it? Yeah, I mean, you talk about, I mean, you, you start at the top there about um, you're probably more optimistic than us, and that kind of makes sense. I mean, obviously, like, as you say, form certainly on your side, and I, I think we probably, Andy Last is probably a good place to start, isn't it? I think every conversation we have around these ends have got to start with uh, Lasty at the moment. Um, obviously, I, I just didn't with you, boy. And we, we, we heard exactly the same thing. Obviously, we've not really got to know him as, a, as fans. We never really got that opportunity because it's been, it's been a very, very short period of time. But everyone says he's a really, really solid bloke and obviously lives and breathes rugby, as you say. He's just not quite worked out. and yeah, you know, I think it's fair to say we probably are more optimistic going to this game tomorrow than we would have been if he was still in post. Unfortunately, I think that's just the way it's gone. Uh, a change was absolutely necessary. I think after our previous game, um, and it does give us a little bit of a little bit of freshness. Uh, I, I, immediately, just watch, just looking at the boys in the camp this week, and uh, I've listened to Danny Ward's press conference, his first one um, on the way home today before the podcast, and it's just a completely different vibe. Uh, he's got a completely different energy. I mean, he's not got a great deal to lose as well, Danny Ward as well. He can kind of only gain from this situation, I think. He's been out of the game for three or four years and, as you say, he did a great job at London. And I think with that, plus the Austin effect, I'm sure we'll come on to the teams themselves later on. Um, I think there's actually more optimism going to this game from Cast fans than there has been for a while. Um, going into a game, probably since after Magic Weekend, I would say. Obviously, we would come away with that win against Leeds and that was a big... It seemed like that was going to be a really big morale boost. It didn't quite kick on from there, but we went into that next game with a fair bit of confidence. Even though we've come off the last one with quite a demoralising defeat at Huddersfield, I think there'll be a different feeling around the fans. Um, to be honest, on Friday, I think we're going to travel obviously the fair few. Obviously, I know it should still reduce attendance, but I think there's going to be plenty of cast fans in the ground, and uh, I think they'll make plenty of noise. I, I'm, I'm relatively optimistic about tomorrow, to be honest. Uh, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like we're the team in 11th and you're in 12th, based on based on recent form. Um, what about you, Adam? Yeah, I think um, the word optimism is going to be thrown about quite a bit in this podcast. Um, I think that's kind of important for both sides to feel that op- optimism. Um, I still feel like the importance of this game is obviously huge, but it's not the end as well. There is still quite a few games to go. And I mean, whoever wins uh, tomorrow night at Bellevue isn't guaranteed to be, uh, stay up and not go down. There's obviously quite a few game, number of games still to go. Wins and losses can come and go. Um, as you guys all know, from yourselves having started the season in, in the form you had. Um, but I feel like this, this Cast Tigers team going out there tomorrow has got a bit of a uh, a new sense of uh, optimism, I'll say it again. Uh, Danny Ward's come in and, as Ross said, he just sounds like a, he's got this uh, vigour about him that's really going to kind of come across the place, really uh, energise these players and really kind of get these guys thinking in a different mindset that they maybe have done the last few weeks. Um, fingers crossed that the fans get behind them as well tomorrow, which I think will be a, a big one. 
Good stuff. And, and and I mean, we spoke about last year. We spoke briefly about your exploits with Danny Ward. Um, Danny Ward, but sound feels like a million years ago. But what what were your opinion on Lee Radford at the start of the year? It's an interesting one. Um, I mean, the start of the year, we barely got an opportunity to see him. <laughs> start of this year, I think it's three games on it. He did. Um, so you probably got to start go back. I mean, the story really starts, doesn't it, when Daryl Powell takes the Warrington job? I think that was the the real turning point. Well, maybe not the turning point of the club that I became before, but this kind of new it. Well, <laughs> literally, I think we had the tagline Newcastle era at the time, and that's what we were supposed to be. Obviously, it's not gone quite the way uh, we intended. Um, it's a weird one, really, because. I think Radders generally did a good job last year with the, with the squad he had. Um, obviously, it was hit a lot by his squad. We've not really talked about it too much this year. There has been a fair few injuries, but last year was extremely injury hit. Uh, we could barely put a squad together uh, at half the time last year. So the fact we were literally, I think, two minutes away from the playoffs in that final game at Leeds, I thought Radford did actually a really good job. Uh, obviously, then he goes off to Samoa. And at that point, we kind of knew that his head had been kind of turned with other jobs and probably wasn't going to uh, stay around too much longer. But to be honest, I mean, there was always an outcry when Radford left uh, at the start of the year. I mean, Danny Ward himself uh, interviewed it, uh, interviewed for the job by all accounts, and there was tons of names, tons of names. And Andy Last ultimately, after his you know six week interview, which didn't even go that well, if we're being honest, obviously gets the gig, and it kind of it was a bit of a damp squib with the fans, really. But I think really, as a fan base, we've known for about eighteen months that was always the plan. Uh, I think Lee Radford was all, only ever going to get those two years, and obviously didn't even get that in the end. Um, Andy Last was always um, always the man uh, for the future and as far as the board were concerned and clearly there was there was a plan in place um, they probably saw it as kind of a three, four year project, Andy Last you know obviously haven't really had that head coach role had interim jobs obviously with yourself at the Hull uh, and had, had done okay jobs uh, but it had been very, very highly rated as a coach obviously Sean Wayne had a bit of England, still got, still got him in England and he was kind of viewed as that next big England coach, I think the, the board had this idea of what they wanted. I think on paper, it probably made a lot of sense uh, at the start of probably 2022, uh, but it just it just didn't quite go to plan. So, we, you know, Radford were never going to be a long-term future with the club. It was always going to be Andy Last in the, in the, in the eyes of the board. And unfortunately, when results go that way, um, it, it just it just can't go on. They've had to finally make that change a couple of weeks ago. And now it's almost like a, a second new era, I guess, in, in, in the space of two years. And we'll see how Danny Ward gets on. But, I think there is generally a feeling, and I've, t- I've talked about it last week, that realistically, if you'd have asked every cast fan, well, like, easy in hindsight, but would you give Danny Ward the job when Radford got it in 2022? Um, absolutely. <laughs> I think I'm sure you probably concur there, uh, Adam. Yeah, I think the turning point for Radders uh, was this pre-season. Obviously, he'd been off with uh, Samoa. The, the players were back in pre-season, and he, he's having a three-week tour of Samoa celebrating, obviously, them getting to the Rugby League uh, World Cup ground, uh, final. We have a first few weeks, probably a month of pre-season without his head coach in the club. So it's, I think the fans definitely did turn on him then and there was obviously rumblings that this was going to be it for this season and very quickly we saw him kind of leave the club. Um, it's an interesting one we last year, obviously. The points Ross made that obviously, is it the right decision at this point, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can say no. Um, many, many different names were battered about, and it's I heard rumours of people turning it down. Um, obviously, Lasty may be interviewing better than others, mm. but the kind of interim period that he had wasn't the best anyway. So it's a bit. It was a bit of a hard sell to fans anyway. Um, we know the decision was made probably a year prior to Radford leaving. 
that Last was going to be the next head coach. Um, and it was almost, seemed like the club was waiting until we maybe strung a couple of wins together to be able to announce Last as a permanent head coach, just so that they had that good feeling around the place and the fans were on board and, and things like that. But that never came, so it was kind of a case of, we need to announce this now, mm. I feel like anyway. But fingers crossed that we can maybe turn things around under Danny Ward. It's um, a bit of a free hit for him going towards the end of the season. So there's nothing to lose for him. So we'll see where we end up. If you if you remember, sort of if you turn the clock back to February, how did you lads think, start with Ross, how did you think your season would pan out? You know, we thought we'd struggle anyway. We thought we'd be at the bottom of Lee. How did you think your season would go, looking at your squad and your coach at the time? The worst thing that ever happened was we beat Huddersfield by about 30-odd points in pre-season. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, everyone on the ground thinks, oh my God, oh my God, what a team we've got. I think uh, Fanua scored an hat-trick that day. Which probably says it all, <laughs> and yeah. They were, were going to be the best player since sliced bread, I think. Yeah, and needless to say, I don't think Huddersfield played very well that day. Um, but yeah, honestly, a, a, lot, a lot better than we've been. Uh, a lot, lot better than we've been. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't think any... Cast fans have we speak about it on our podcast quite a lot. Um, Cast fans think back to the grandeur of six, seven years ago far too much, and they expect a little bit of that too much, in my opinion. I think that was a bit of an anomaly. Ultimately, I think we, I think most level-headed cast fans accept that and accept that's not going to happen every year. Um, so I don't think most people, by any means, were saying we're going to be grand finals this year or we're going to win the cup or anything like that, but. I think there was an expectation we'd probably consolidate from last year and maybe just take that one step up. Obviously, we missed out on the playoffs, as I said earlier, by by one game. We, we literally uh, got beat by a last-minute try at Headingley and we would have been in the playoffs. And obviously, that's the Leeds team that ended up at the grand final. So we were thinking, if we can just consolidate on that, go one step better uh, and have a little run in September, um, that's that seemed realistic. And again, hindsight's massive in terms of this, but you look at kind of the signings we made and I don't think you boys were particularly happy when we signed a certain foot scrum off. Uh, to come over here and he's, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to him in a sec. But I mean, Gareth Widdop is really, when you look at it in terms of the signings we've made at a club over the years, is one of the most high profile signings we've ever made. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's the back end of his career, he's 34 and he's not worked out. Um, but I mean, he's, I think he's got the second most Great Britain caps or Great Britain England caps of all time uh, up there with the likes of Chad and uh, James Graham and those kind of great players. He's played an awful lot of international rugby, obviously, playing the NRL. That's a huge signing for us for a club like ours. So you're making signings like that, and you're going, you're looking at it, and going, we might have half, we might have half a go here, or at least have a, a very good season. The fact it's gone the way it's gone, um, it's, it's created a bit of a toxic atmosphere at times, which is, which is a real shame. But that that's been the case, and you know, the the fact, as I said, that the club have just kind of committed to their plan, kind of no matter what, uh, through Radford start with Andy last, um, it kind of sets back a little bit. So hopefully we are looking at this kind of literally this this week, essentially, as the turning point, as you, as you would, as you optimistically say. Um, but yeah, I can honestly say that we, we weren't expect, uh, we were expecting a fair bit better than us, uh, a fair bit better than where we, where we ended up at. Um, that's the thing about to you guys, so yeah, there was a, a general expectation this is roughly where you were going to be, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. I think, I mean, me and my dad are, are, are relatively optimistic people and optimistic fans. And we, even we thought we'd be bottom two, 100%. We actually jokingly thought we'd be down there with Lee. I remember saying yeah. early on in the season that us and Lee will be the two battling it out. Um, Lee had a fantastic start and obviously they've won the Challenge Cup now and potentially might even make the uh, the grand final and, and win the league. So it's incredible what a season can do. But me personally, I never thought we'd be at the bottom with 
no points for the first 14 rounds, you know, whatever it was, six six games getting nilled, half-time, we had, we had nil about 10 games in a row, something ridiculous. Um, it was just a calamity, probably the worst start in Super League history of any team of what I've seen. Um, in, incredibly demoralising. I remember actually my, my lowest point this year was stood at Cass on, on Easter Thursday or Easter Friday, whenever it was. Um, we I think we just signed Will Dagger. We'd just done that swap deal. And it was cold, it was dark, it was raining. We just scored, I think it was 18-6 or 26, whatever the final score was. And you boys didn't play that well, but you still managed to beat us. Our fans were fighting amongst themselves, fighting with the security. Flares were going on the pitch. Um, we were awful, god-awful. Um, our best player, Jai Whitbread, dropped about three balls. And I turned to my uncle and just said, we're, we're, we're done, like even though it was about seven or eight games into the season. Like, we're we just totally done. We've got absolutely nothing. Um, and, you know, the, the board took it, the coaches have taken it, all the players have, have taken the stick. And we've come out the other end uh, to a degree now. Um, but kind of answering your question, I, I I thought we'd be relatively in this position. If you'd have told me in February that it'd be, it, you show me the league table now, I'd have been like, that's probably fair enough for us. Um, but the way that the season's gone is is... Incredible! It's potentially going to be a fairy tale for us, um, and arguably the greatest escape ever if we do get out of it. Because we we when you boys won at Magic and you beat Leeds, yeah, we we'd still not won a game. Have you won a game since then? Uh, we well, beat Warrington. Yeah, beat Warrington. Yeah. So you're on six points. We were on no points, and you know halfway through the season, and again it was a point of well, that's it. That's definitely it. You you're you're six points clear. Better points difference. Um, and then you beat Warrington. Then we've obviously gone on our run. So it's incredible, incredible, really. I, I, I know, Dad, you're you're similar to me in terms of optimism, but you didn't expect this season. No, not as bad. I, I didn't think. My 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 problem is a lot of people's problems. We didn't we didn't buy well. Our off season recruitment wasn't great. You know, the, you ask the experts, and we often regard ourselves as some Trinity experts. We did a lot of fair signings back in the last season with um, George Tafua and Rob Butler, but they didn't click. And our off-season signings were Morgan Smith from Featherston, mm-hmm. Kevin Proctor from uh, Gold Coast, uh, Renault Fatoni from uh, Sydney Roosters, and then later on, um, Sammy Sony Lange. And that's all we brought in. So we were very lightweight, and we'd lost Miller, we'd lost to Tony, we'd lost um, Fafita, and they were three of 12 that had gone. So we weren't sort of um, over-enthusiastic about our squad. We obviously then had a rookie coach, and we're big. We're big Mark Applegarth fans. We know him well. We're big fans of his, and, and we we knew we'd, he'd have a go. But when you looked at that start, and they looked at the squad, and then the injury started. You know, we lost Lewis Murphy with his ACL in, in week three. We lost Max Jowett in training after week one, and then they started. And we all have injuries. You know, every every club has injuries. But we started off alright against Catalan. We we lost twenty four thirty eight, but we we had a bit of a dig. We got stuffed at Wigan the following week. And then the nil started, you know, 60 nil at Wigan, 8 nil with Huddersfield, 26 nil at Leeds. We lost to Salford by Golden Point. And then you start, you get on this habit, you get on this roll of, of losing. And I, my, and it got to Easter and it said, right, we've got to beat Cass. If we don't beat Cass, we're going to, we, we're going to struggle. And we lost 16 4. Week after that was Lee at home. We thought, right, we've got to beat Lee. If we don't beat Lee, we're going to go down. And we got stuffed 32 nil at home. And then, like you say, we go up to Magic Weekend and not only played Lee again, but then they had one sent off. They had one Simbin and we couldn't score against 11 men. And, and we still ended up losing, uh, what was the score there? Um, 30 points to four. And I thought we were doomed. I thought after that, and then I watched Cass beat Leeds 
And it's like, right, we're already six points behind Cass. Cass have got a better points difference. I thought, I'm quite positive. You know, all, all last year, I thought we were, we looked a bit doomed. Um, right up to the end, I thought we were going to stay up. And I thought this time we've got no chance. But then we, we, we go play Leeds in, in, in early June. We have, we have 11 players out. We have two kids on debut. We have two French trialists. And we beat Leeds 24-14. And that was our turnaround. So, yeah, I thought, I, I thought we'd, I, I was hoping we wouldn't go down. But like Jamie says, I thought it'd be between Lee and, Lee and us. I didn't think Lee had bought well. I thought they bought a lot of old men. Uh, I experienced, experienced maybe Hardacre, Charlie, Briscoe, Oliver Holmes. But they've clicked. So here we are, sort of four, eight months on, and we, we're, uh, we're at the bottom with you, lads. I felt the same about Lee, to be honest. I really didn't fancy Lee this year oh. at all. I felt the same. I also thought the squad were too small. Yeah, uh, just incredible. The fact they don't have an academy as well, I thought they'd be in big, big trouble. They've probably been a little bit uh, helped out of their, the lack of injuries, to be fair. But um, yeah, I had the same about Lee. I, I must say, just hearing all that, Magic Weekend, obviously I went I went far too soon. I agreed with you. <laughs> I thought it was over at Magic. Obviously, we pulled off a win against Leeds on Saturday. And we weren't great that day. Uh, Leeds weren't great by any means. Um, the thing that makes me happy about for, uh, tomorrow is the fact Blake Austin was by far and away their best player that night, at least. So yeah. was that element. But um, yeah, I thought getting that win was going to really boost us. And I, I'll be honest, I think you, you were terrible against Lee the day after. Uh, you, you were really, really poor. I and mean, don't get me wrong, we've thrown, we've thrown some forms of similar to that <laughs> since then. So that's not having a dig. But you were poor against Lee, obviously, to say they went down to 11. And I think Lynham there bombed the try, didn't he? And it just yeah. felt like that was your season, to be honest. But Got to credit you. You got to got to absolutely credit. You. I've said I said this on my own podcast. You know, if you guys can pull it off, it'll absolutely kill us. Don't get me wrong, but you you do have to respect what you've done. I mean, the uh, the start and the turnaround it, it is quite something. Um, in terms of the next questions, I think it's nice doing the kind of this tennis account. I mean, it's nice obviously where cast fans wear an open book to you, and I think vice versa. It's quite nice to do. We, Usually our, our only communication where you find is shouting at you across the field. So it's quite, it's quite nice doing this. Um, you started with coaches. I know obviously it's a big moment for us with Danny Wall coming in. You've had a weird coaching situation this year as well. Obviously, you mentioned Mark Alpagarco. I've got no problem with that at all. I think it's good that obviously he's come through the club. Obviously, he's involved with the youth and everything, wasn't he? And I think he's clearly done a good job in terms of turning it around. The James Ford situation has been weird, hasn't it? I mean, it's become a bit of a carousel with uh, him and Sean Long. I'm not really sure what's going on there, to be honest. Um, I did jokingly say on Twitter the other day, I'd, I'd like to see uh, James, James Ford and Sean Long in a room <laughs> by themselves for a few minutes. I'm not really sure what's going on. Obviously, they've kind of fl- uh, flipped jobs at this point. First and foremost, when Ford came in, and you'll obviously know a lot better than me, did it seem a bit strange that he was taking an assistant job when he's been kind of earmarked as this kind of next... Uh, head coach in that role. Uh, did you see it as a logical step? It might have been as well. You might think that. Um, and just kind of talk me through what's happened since because it has been pretty strange, hasn't it? I think you'd admit. It, it was very bizarre initially. I mean, we, we've been fans of Fordy for a long time and whenever we've had a vacancy at Trinity, it's been James Ford should get the job, he should get this because wor- he works at Wakefield College or he used to work at Wakefield College and he's helped bring a lot of players through like James Bachelor, Lewis Murphy, etc. as well. They've all come through that system. Plus the fact that our first podcast of this season, we had Mark Applegarth on, we had him on for a chat. And him and Fordy are very good mates. or They, they were very good mates. I'm not sure what it's like now. Um, and they've played together and they've coached together and they know each other behind the scenes as well. So it seemed like almost a match made in heaven. Um, you know, two good mates coming in. Apparently, they, it was almost a co-coaching level, I believe. Um, Mash was the guy. But right. Fordy has obviously got more experience in a in a senior role um, and was happy to help out in whatever and, and took the attacking lead from what we got told. 
Um, but obviously the, the the joke is in itself there. When he was at the club as an attacking league, we didn't score any points. So um, that just went straight down the pan. In truth, no one really knows what went on behind the scenes. I think they've kept it quiet for a reason, which is fair enough. Um, but as, as he has left, um, there was a statement released that Mash said, Mark Applegarth said, the shackles are now off. And that's been kind of a running joke now in, in within Trinity fans. Whenever we don't score three more three or more tries, everyone's saying, Well, I thought the shackles were off, which is a, a laughable joke within its our fickle fan base sometimes. But um but since Ford is left, we've obviously brought Fafita in, we've brought Luke Gale in, Mash has had a bit more creative freedom. Um and quite literally the shackles have been off because we're a very good attacking free flowing side now, actually, with with Luke Gale steadying the ship. Mason Lino can do his thing. Fafita's leading the forwards. Suddenly we've got Max Jowett back. We've got a couple of pacey wingers again. Reese Lynn and Samson Lange were back fit, so we, we were getting metres in the centres. Um, but but in terms of Ford, I was quite confident with him coming in, and I did wonder if it was a little bit of a contingency plan, just in case Mash didn't work out and maybe he resigned, um, and then Ford could step straight in. Um, but Mash is, as everybody's seen, Mash is arguably the most resilient coach in the league now, and he was never going to resign. He always wanted to stick it out. And the board has backed him. Um, and you see a lot of it online, people saying, which is true, our change in fortunes happened when Gailey and Fafita came in within about two or three weeks of each other. But equally, Mark Applegaff was the one who started both of those signings. It was his idea to bring both of them in. And he's still the main guy, you know, apart from before Sean Long came in and Fordy leaving, Gale was essentially the assistant coach from what we've been told. He was a bit of a player coach, even though he was off injured, he's, he's leading a couple of training sessions. You know, he, he was, I was actually watching some highlights this morning from the um, Australia-England World Cup final in 2017 and Widdop and Gale started that game. So obviously you can see the standard of those two players in each of the sides. Um, and Gale's just showing that experience. And when he's playing now, he's, he's absolutely exceptional. It's, it's crazy watching him. He's, he's lost a yard of pace um, and, he, and he misses a few tackles. But the the on-field um, experience that he's got is, is exceptional. So I was happy that he's kind of in the changing room. The Sean Long thing blew me out of the water because I think it got reported on, on Twitter or on social media that he, he'd left Fev, then suddenly he was going to Warrington, then suddenly we were interested and then within 24 hours, he was our assistant coach. Just If someone would have told me by the weekend that he was been our assistant coach, I'd have laughed at him. I've no idea what's happening with that, actually. I don't know if Dad's got any more inside info, but um, he's, he's a good coach by all accounts. What, what what does worry me is he never seems to stay at a club more than a two seasons. Um, and we know he was a very um, outspoken player, an excellent player at that, but an outspoken player. didn't make many friends, I believe, as a player. Mm. And you do wonder sometimes if he's going to butt heads behind the scenes or if he has in the past. But equally, we've got quite a steady boardroom and quite a sensible boardroom with with the likes of John Minards. And he only usually makes decisions based off sensibility um, and stuff that's going to stabilise the club. So he must have come with some good raps. And obviously, Fev have had a great season this year, so... Again, I'll try and be positive and I'll see how the season goes. If we lose every single game now and our attacks crap again, we, we, we might say something differently. But um, that's my kind of opinion. I don't know if I've been sat on the fence a bit there, but that's that's all I know. So, Dad, I don't know if you know anything different with Fordy or if your opinions were different or, you know, Sean Long coming in and, and doing his bits. Yeah, I've, I've often got some inside info. I know a lot of people within the club and I usually know what's going on within. <laughs> um but no, James Ford seemed to not. You've, you've sort of covered everything with with him coming in. He was a mate of Masher's, um, so they thought <clears throat> they thought they worked quite well together. 
he seemed to all fall to bits in May. Um, he seemed as though he'd got this Featherston job before he left Wakefield, by all accounts. So he was, so there was something happened there. So he went. And then we didn't seem to have an assistant coach for three months. You know, like you said, Luke Gale maybe did a little bit. You wondered what was happening and what was in the pipeline. Were we, were we going to bring Danny Kerman back from York for next year? Were we sort of going to promote Luke Gale from within? Um, and then, so like you said, even I never, I never saw that coming with Sean Long. My, my issue was, why did he, he left Pedersen before all this came about and we all thought it was going to Warrington. Why did he lose Lee Featherston when the top of the league um, and, and only lost two all year? Was he unpopular there? Like you said, he's a bit unpopular wherever he goes. So you bring him in and, and without name dropping, we know Richard Agar quite well, who used to be our coach and he's at New Zealand Warriors now. And he, 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 we've asked him whether when he was coach at Leeds, Sean Long was his assistant. And we asked him what was he like and he said he was outstanding. Outstanding assistant coach, outstanding um, uh, attacking coach. Which 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 is it augurs well for us. Um, if there's a, I wouldn't say there's a downside to it, but now we've got two big voices in the changing rooms. Luke, we don't want Luke Gale and Sean Long butting ends together again, and we need a, a firm hand. Hopefully, David Feeters to uh, to settle it down, but hopefully, hopefully that'll all uh, settle down nicely, and we'll uh, fingers crossed Sean Long can uh, settle in with us. I think equally that we've probably got England's two best sevens of the past twenty years in our in our team now in terms of Gale and Long. <laughs> Never really thought that in terms of creativity. Um, obviously, it's up for opinion, but in terms of Gaelic, I mean, world-class player when he played for you at his peak, made a grand final, won a man of steel, played in a World Cup final, and Sean Long, Sean Long, you know, he's an absolute magician, probably should have played in the NRL if he was that good. But I'm quite happy that those two are in the cha- same change rooms. But like Dad says, it's uh, the summer flamboyant, temperamental personalities there, and hopefully they can all stay on the same page for us. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think there was an element. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you in. Um, yeah, I think there was an element that we discussed it, me and Adam, in the sense that when it was announced, obviously, it took us, us completely by surprise as well as it did everyone else, the Sean Long thing. Um, there's always a little bit of fear, obviously, when someone of that kind of prestige, and as you say, he's done, a, I mean, I think he's lost two games all year at Fev. It's not like he's done a bad job. He's top of the league, I think, or eight points clear. I think their only bugbear was they were not scoring by enough points, which is a nice problem to have, isn't it? Um, but yeah, there must have been something uh, above the above the board that we, we didn't. We obviously, we're not. We don't know about, and obviously, the fact that kind of Fordy came in in a de facto director rugby role. But I think every man his dog could tell he was getting the job next. Uh, it did probably disrupt the apple cart a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a little bit. You see Sean Long come in before a big game like this, in the same way that we just been optimistic. Well, that night we were optimistic about Danny Ward, obviously. There's a little bit of fear there, but at the same time, as you say, doesn't really tend to stick around clubs too often. Um, you know, Gailey did have a bit of a disciplinary thing. Admittedly, it was with Rich Agar, I think, at the time. But obviously, I think Long was around the club at that time. From a cast perspective, we hope he's a nightmare. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm sure, as you say, he probably won't be. He's a professional. Um, and as you say, a brilliant, brilliant player and a, good, a great attacking mind. Uh, we do hope he's an absolute nightmare, though. I won't lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, what's your take on it, Adam? Just generally the yeah, this kind of coaching carousel. And also the forgotten man, who I'm going to ask you guys about in a sec, uh, is Dane Dorohy, who's come in mm-hmm. as our assistant coach. Again, that was a complete surprise in terms of an assistant. Um, got more history with you guys, I think, than uh, than with Cass. Uh, but firstly, yeah, Adam, just your kind of take on the general coaching carousel that's happened at uh, Wakefield and, and, and Cass, I suppose. Yeah, they're a little bit of a merry-go-round in the uh, Five Towns area that seems to be going on. It's a bit of an interesting one. Um, I think long as only going to be a, a positive influence on Wakefield. Um, same way I thought that as soon as they signed Gailey, I thought 
he'll lead you to two or three wins on his own, just sort of because of the player he is, because of the brains and the smarts that he's got on the field. I had the joy of kind of working along, working with uh, Snoz for a number of years when I, I were working at Cass. And I know that he's an absolute pain as a person, just through his personality and just being in a general annoyance, which I'm sure he'll admit himself um, because he enjoys that role. Uh, but he's also a very, very good leader on and off the field. Um, I know we're in the leadership group at Cass in and around those people like Michael Shenton and Grant Milliton, who will have really picked up a lot of things from uh, on how to sort of lead a team. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me at all that he was taking sort of an assistant role at Wakefield in that time where uh, you had nobody. Um, and he'll lead you around the field like nobody kind of in, in the kind of modern game, especially in Super League. Um Ford situation, obviously the Ford and Long situation at Featherstone is a bit of an interesting one. Um, I'm sure we'll we all can see that um, Fev normally don't have a coach longer than 12 months anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's there's more to be said to that. Um, but I think it's very interesting to see the uh, kind of guys that you're going to bring in. I think obviously there's rumours of Danny Kermon coming back in for next year as well. I'm sure I know you alluded to it. Um, but bringing in such an attacking mind like Longy can only make your team better, can only make sort of that attack, well, hopefully not this weekend, but I hope it will be more dangerous kind of going forward, I, I, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's it's interesting to see and adds to the narrative, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. There's so many narratives, so many narratives. Uh, before you kind of fire another question, it was also a complete open book here. Um, yeah, Dane Dorothy very quickly. Uh, completely took us by surprise that one. We didn't. We, there wasn't even any whispers of it until about half an hour before the announcement. Obviously, we, we had a pretty good idea Danny Ward was getting the job kind of 24, 36 hours out. Uh, but Dorothy came very, very last minute. Um, the kind of working theory is that he interviewed for it and just did very, very well. And Danny Ward was always likely to get the job, but Dorothy was so good that we just kind of didn't want to let him slip through the fingers. Um, but yeah, I'm showing my age a little bit in the sense that I can't remember him as a player. <laughs> if I'm being brutally honest. So um, anything you can t- kind of tell us about Dane Dory, obviously he had, he had a stint at Bellevue. Uh, he's obviously been coaching over in Oz. I think he's, he's currently, well, he has just been assistant coach at St. George um, with another Feverlink there because that's been Ryan Carr as, as uh, interim coach over there. Um, but yeah, from your perspective, Dane Dory, what kind of, any idea what kind of bloke he is? Uh, and anything you can tell us really would actually be quite beneficial to uh, any cast fans listening. He's a smashing fella. He only had half a season with us. He came over in year in two thousand, and he only played, or he only played about eighteen games, and then went off to Halifax. So it was what it was. He came in that era when we signed Lords and got rid of Lords, and we had financial trouble. So I think he was here for a, uh, initially for a while, but then when we hit financial trouble, uh, he faded away and went to Halifax. But uh, I know he's a good bloke, really nice fella. The question I was just going to put to you: Where's Craig Lingard fit into all this now? Do you have any idea? It's an interesting one. Uh, him and Scott Morell are still at the club to the end of the year. Uh, there is a, just a, a big coaching group, I guess, in the sense that there's kind of three recognised assistant, uh, assistants plus Danny Ward. Obviously, the fact that Danny Ward's literally only had a week because uh, a lot of the players were off, uh, as most as most clubs are. Obviously, cup final weekend, uh, the lads were only in, uh, kind of doing field sessions from Monday. Uh, so he's, literally, he's probably only had maybe three sessions uh, on the field with them. So it's probably, I think he said himself in the press conference today, it's been really useful for him to have Lingard, to have um, Scott Morrell kind of feeding in as well uh, to those two guys. In terms of where he fits in big picture, uh, honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure if he knows either. Um, I liked it when we brought him in uh, to help Danny, uh, to help uh, Andy Lash, should I say. 
I don't feel like it was an Andy Last decision to do that, <laughs> personally. I didn't, they didn't know each other by, by their own admission. They kind of came in, met each other on the job. And that was that. I think it was the board, as I said earlier, there was probably a little bit of stubbornness that has been for the two years to kind of commit to what they wanted to do with Lasty. Clearly, it wasn't working. I think they just tried to kind of inject something uh, to try and make that dream work. But Craig Lingard, clearly a very good coach. I think everyone's got a lot of respect uh, for what he's done at Batley on an absolute shoestring budget. Obviously, played at Wembley last week. And I mean, uh, as much as he's a rhino, I was, I was devastated for Luke Hooley missing that kick <laughs> because the, the, the try to almost level it up at Wembley was superb. And um, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Craig Lingard and it remains to be seen. I, I think he's probably going to be in a little bit of flux with Cass now, to be honest, because I, if, and I, I, don't, I don't want to even mention this on this podcast, if that happens uh, next season, then it obviously he would be a, a candidate uh, for the job. And obviously, but the fact it's Danny Ward and the fact that, that the fact that Danny Ward is the move we've gone for rather than Obviously, someone you know very well. I'm sure we'll talk about the history of this in a second. John Keir, which is a lot. A lot of people thought that might be the route we went down. If it had been John Keir on a straight up six week gig, um, kind of uh, everything's off for next year. It's a complete, you know, everyone interview. Craig Lingard would probably have a pretty good, uh, decent uh, shot at it as well. Plus, Lingard had actually worked under Keir as an assistant. So that kind of made sense. The fact it is Danny Ward, I think, if we stay up, it's impossible not to give him the job next year. Um, and even if we were to go down, but I'd make a good fist of it. I mean, it, I, I said on the radio the other day, if we lose six games in a row, then fair enough. We just it, It's kind of open for discussion and kind of the coaching role next year. But Danny Ward, even if you're a championship club, it's, especially if you're a championship club even, Danny Ward's a very, very good head coach. So I'm not really sure where Lingard, to answer your question, fits into that because he's clearly not his assistant. I mean, obviously, Dane Dory's in there as well at the, at the meantime. Danny Ward's had staff in the past. He had Jamie Langley, I think, at London and a number of people. So Lingard, unless he, they really hit it off in the next six weeks, I'm not sure where that relationship goes beyond this season, if I'm honest. But I think we've just got to look at it straight up as a six-week job and just go, he's a good asset to have around the club. I think it's as simple as that. And hopefully he puts his best foot forward. I've had a little chat with Craig. He was kind enough to, to speak to me when I wished, it, uh, wished him luck last week. And um, I like what I hear from him. And I think he's got the club's best interest at heart at the very least and will give his all for these next six weeks, no matter what happens. So that's really, really good. And I would say on the, on the, the little things we can see, it's how obviously we've been generally poor over the course of the year. There was an uptick in the way we played. Um, Magic Weekend is a perfect example of it. Since Lingard came in, we had no attacking structure whatsoever at the start of the season. Not instantly, but a couple of weeks after Lingard came in post, we did look better. Uh, it, was, it was there, it was evident. And I think that's a result of him. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have proper answers for you in terms of his future. But um, I think at the moment, we just look at it as if he's just a good asset to have around the club at the minute, I think. Can I just throw one to you, Adam, going back on the field? What's your thoughts on Milky? Obviously, Jacob Miller was one of our stars. He's he been with us for eight years, 200 games, 60-odd tries. It was, we were sad to see him go. We don't think you've pinched him, Mathis, because Wakefield wanted him to go. And, and Cass came in with a, a good offer. Um, his game's changed. When he when he first came to us, he was like lightning. He was scoring hat tricks here, there, and everywhere. His game slowly changed and he slowed down as he got into his thirties. How's he going with you this year? Been an interesting one with Milky. Um, he seems to have sort of a good game and then has a, a string of bad ones. Um, I think <laughs> Sounds a lot. About right. Yeah, I know. I know when he first signed, I talked to a few people that I know that are Wakefield fans, and they said exactly the same. He went, it'll be it's rocks or diamonds with him, and it, it it's more often rocks. Unfortunately, um, 
think he does bring a bit of flair when he when he's on. He's he's really good and can be a real big danger. Um, a lot of fans kind of complain about his kicking game. I know a lot of uh, kind of fans on social media are complaining about that, but obviously he's kicking to a, a structure and a, a game plan that the coaches are instilling. Um, so how much you can kind of put it down to his individual ability with the ball in hand. I know um, a lot of cast fans and a lot of Wakefield fans have obviously seen him uh, with a fair boot kicking drop goals and winning games. Um, so I don't think, and kind of, I remember the game um, when Wakefield beat Cass at, at, at the jungle. And I think Milky Way, our best player, absolutely built us to death and we couldn't get close to you that day. Um, so it, it's definitely in him to be a game changer and really kind of win win games on his own. Um, but I just don't think we've seen enough of it this year. I think it's been a little bit of a disappointment. And I think that can be said for kind of Gareth Widdop as well. Obviously, he came across and that was going to be our new halfback partnership of Widdop and Miller. Tons of experience between them and they're going to kind of steer the ship for us. And it's, it's not worked for either of them, I think. Yeah, I think Milky's been... He's been disappointing, dare I say, but I, mean, I could say that about 40 players. So that, that's not singling him out necessarily. I was especially hard on him in the last game, to be honest. I think he was mm. especially poor against Huddersfield. I think he'd always end up and say that. Again, it wasn't a great performance across the board, clearly, at 28, uh, 32-0 in the end. Um, the the one, the, well, the excuse he does have, I would say, is like I say, he's, he's been behind a pack, which has been far from great let's be honest there's been some lazy efforts there I say in, in, in the pack this year and I don't suspect we'll see that tomorrow night in a bigger occasion um, but there's been there's been elements where you know you're, you're only as good as your pack sometimes and uh, the pack's not been good enough in large parts of the season the other thing as well is obviously Milky's come in you know obviously come for a rival as well a lot of pressure on him and you talk, you talk about a half-back partner in Gareth Woodup. He's barely had Gareth Woodup as a half-back partner this year. Uh, Gareth Woodup's also been playing fullback for the best part of the last two, three months. I think the player is probably, I don't have the stats exactly, but the player he's probably played with most at half-back is Jack Robin, yeah, who, so. with all the will in the world, I would throw him up there with another former um, Trinity player, Joe Westerman, as, as our best player of the year. But I, I think Jack Robin has been brilliant, but obviously he's a young kid. We brought him in as essentially a rotation centre who might get 10 games. That's what we kind of thought going in. We thought we kind of looked at him as a, a prospect for the next two or three years. Obviously, he had stints at kind of Fev and Batley and didn't really make it at Leeds, but we liked what we saw early doors. Um, he's been our main six, really, for a lot of the year, just due to circumstances. Obviously, McShane's been out for quite a while, which has not helped things, but to rotate a bunch of things. Now, Levels has been out, hence we're, we're up at fullback. Right. It's been tricky. So, more, at least half the season, Milky's had either Jack Broadbent learning his trade and really never going to be a halfback going forward anyway by his own admission. And then Riley Dean for kind of four or five weeks, who again is a half, he's a, he's a proper halfback, don't get me wrong, but he's a young kid and needs that run of games, or pro- arguably in the championship, probably needs a year in the championship to really kind of learn where what he's about. And he's certainly not going to uh, take a game by the scruff of the neck. So I do have a little bit of sympathy on Milky, to be fair, um, which kind of throws some real interest into tomorrow. Of course, now he's got the situation where he doesn't necessarily have to be the dominant half tomorrow for the first time this season because we've brought a fella in who's more than happy to do that. And by all accounts, he's been very, very vocal and almost a leader already within a week of training uh, is the word from, about Blake Austin. And obviously, kind of cross your fingers that that is the case. And, I, I, you know, I, how committed he is to cast, so he remains to be seen. He's only here for six weeks. But I think deep down, we're just hoping he really wants to spike leads by playing really well, to be honest. <laughs> 
And speaking of Milky and his link with with us and and you boys, were you are you aware that how close David Feeter was for signing signing for Cass before he came back and re-signed for us? Well, I don't know how close it was exactly. I mean, he lived in Milky, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> well, well, yeah. What was going on? Yeah, we we actually had him on the podcast about about a month ago, and he told us that Lasty and, and Milky actually contacted him at the same time as Mash, and he was very close. To sign, to sign with Cass, which would have brought the. I mean, Miller, Miller going to you was outbreaking enough, but Fafita is is an icon at Trinity. Is yeah. much like you boys love Grant Millington, I hear, and he's he's like one of the greats down at Cass in, in the modern era. Fafita is an actual god in Wakefield now, and I couldn't <laughs> have coped if 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 it had gone to you boys. But um, I, I just wondered if you were ever aware of how close he actually came to to signing with you, and, and he was living with Miller, I, I believe, for the first month he came back. Uh, only kind of in hindsight, I know that a little report came out, didn't it? Um, I think it did. Get, might be from you guys, to be fair. <laughs> ended up in the ended up in the press. Uh, There's a few comments here and there. Obviously, living together and did come close, and uh, Dave turned us down. I mean, we we had a comment from the director of rugby at Cast a, a month or so ago. Well, not even that. Saying we'd spoke to 70 players over the course of the last few last few months. So I'd be surprised if we'd not spoke to David Fafita, to be honest with you. Uh, we probably spoke to both of them, uh, to be fair. <laughs> Might have spoke to the other Fafita as well. I don't think we've got a chance of getting him either. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's due diligence, isn't it? I, I think we absolutely, if you knew a player like Dave Fafita's uh, ability, certainly in the changing room as much as on the field, uh, is available. Um, I think we did the right thing, asking the question. Certainly with his link to, uh, link to Milky as well. Um Am I surprised to turn us down? Absolutely not. Of course not. In the same way, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Grant Milton turned you down for the for the same reason. It would have felt a bit weird, wouldn't it? We'd have kind of loved it in a smug way, but it would have felt a bit strange, I think. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's enough kind of storylines and narratives going into tomorrow, isn't there? <laughs> anyway, without Dave Fafita playing for us, I mean, the amount of kind of, you know, like I say, we already talked about the coaches and things like that. And I mean, another element is obviously Gareth Widdop uh, and Blake Austin have been a halfback partnership before. Uh, which is why we think that's probably happened or happened so quickly. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I've done well. I'm, I can't believe I'm the one bringing up 2006, to be fair, on this podcast. I've done well to avoid it, but obviously it's going to brought up at some point. There's probably even more narratives this year uh, than there were 17 years ago, to be honest. And as much as I, I, I want to get onto this at the end of the podcast, if we can, in terms of the future and kind of a little bit of kind of IMG talk, if you don't mind. But in terms of they kind of getting rid of relegation promotion potentially, or as it stands, but um, Sky Sports and Rugby League are loving it, aren't they? They're absolutely loving oh, it yeah. at our expense. They're absolutely mm-hmm. loving it, and yeah, hopefully there's a different result to 2006. But yeah, in terms of narratives, like I say, former players, I mentioned Westy as well. I mean, mm-hmm. what's your take on Joe Westerman? Obviously, he had a had a great stint with you guys. Obviously, I think it was always written in the stars he'd come back. But I mean, how remarkable it is from a cast fan point of view. I mean, we won't go into too much detail, obviously. We thought he was done in February. We thought he was done and that was it. He's genuinely been our best player this year, which I think is pretty remarkable. You you feel like if he if he was any other player or if that was any other line of work, he would have been done. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have been in my job, for example, um, if that got released round. But it was fantastic for us. By far, probably our best player when he played for us. Was it only a season, Dad? Or two seasons, I can't remember. It was I think it was a couple of yeah, a couple of seasons, but one was COVID, yeah. so he had to play. That's it, yeah. But he was fantastic. He he was the third team that we've needed for a long time, and arguably is we haven't we haven't replaced him. Um, Jordy Crowther played there for a little bit. He was a bit like a mini Westerman, but he's not as good. Um, and now we kind of play with three props. If I'm honest, now Tony will go there, Proctor will go there, Eddie Batty will go there, um, and we haven't had a third team really since Westerman. Fantastic player, great ball handler, big big in the tackle, 
great experience again, played for Warrington Hull, played in some big games. And yeah, again, I, I haven't watched you boys religiously, but whenever I have, him, McShane, speak for himself when he can get on the field. Um, they, they're your main guys, definitely. But I, I know that you, you dad, and obviously our our relatives are, are big fans of Westerman on the field. as a proper big warrior of uh, rugby league. Yeah, and he was outstanding. In our se- in our season, I think it was 2021, 20, 21, 22, 21. He was, the first few months, he was outstanding. He was brilliant. Obviously, the COVID season affected him a little bit. And then once he, to me, once he'd signed his contract with Cass, and I think it was around about June, July, he faded. He stopped playing and he stopped turning up. And, you know, he suddenly um, got an injury. And I think he only played two out of the last six games, which you could see what was happening. You know, he sort of lost a little bit of interest. But up until that decision, I thought he was outstanding, just what we needed at, at, uh, in our Trinity uh, line. And with with kind of, we've, sp- we speak, we've spoken about signings. Obviously, we, we recruited early this year in terms of mid-season signings. Will Dagger came in with the swap deal. We spoke about Luke Gale and Fafita coming back. Um, obviously, we recruited the two French lads, Hugo, um, and Franco, some proper, proper French boys who, who've both gone well in their own right. You boys have obviously just recruited Blake Austin, but there's three players there who, and I, I am a huge fan of the NRL. I watch everything week in, week out, sometimes even watch the second grade. But even I'd never really heard of these guys. You know, Liam Horn, Charbel Tassipale and Billy Sakrikas. Um, Three names who I don't know how many NRL games have played between them, if any. Um, but I just wondered if you'd heard of them, where they've come from and how they've fared so far. Yeah, it's an interesting one, really. Obviously, they're, they're quite recent. Obviously, I think Chair Limon and Tess Powell have played one. Uh, Billy's played two. Uh, I've committed to just calling him Billy at this point, just, just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> make sure I don't ruin that one. You've done very well with the punctuation there, I think. Yeah, extremely um, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an interesting one, to be fair. And, and in a way, although it's definitely not our fault, we're taking a bit of credit for this one, <laughs> for our mid-season uh, signings, to be fair. Because you, you're quite right, there's not really any, any NRL experience there. I think Sakrikas did have a little bit uh, for the Bulldogs, I think. He, mm-hmm. he has played a few games. I think he might have played five or six. So he played a handful, at least. Uh, but they're generally from the Queensland and New South Wales um, Cup competitions. And mm-hmm. way back in night, I mean, I say way back, we're only episode 10, but episode two, the first thing we did, the first time Adam was on, as we kind of looked at our 2024 squad, what it could look like. Obviously, that was way back. We'll probably talk about May time, so kind of way off the uh, basically before a lot of the rumors uh, it kind of started happening, and we kind of just tried to put together a squad. And although we didn't get the names correctly, uh, I kind of set Adam the task, and he he came back, and pretty much in all of those positions, he picked out a lad from the New South Wales or the Queensland Cup because I think that's really the way it's going. I think it's the way Super League's going. I don't think with the way the salary cap is now over in Oz. Um, obviously, there's things with the NRLPA and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's it's realistic, certainly not comes at our level. Maybe you're leaving your Wiggins fair enough and still have that pulling power and the money, crucially, and obviously Warrington. Uh, Warrington. But I, I think that's a better pull for us to, to be going at. And I think over the over the coming years, we're going to go away from kind of signing the has-beens, the kind of the 32 to 34-year-olds uh, who've kind of been there and done it in the NRL. I actually think some uh, players who can make a bigger impact on our teams, especially, are actually those kind of 20 to 24-year-olds playing in the Queensland comp or the New South Wales comp who want to get that break mm-hmm. and have seen kind of Jackson Hastings, for example, Jake Clifford this year, perfect example. Uh, I know he had a bit of an NRL, but he's that kind of age profile where they can come over here, kill it, and then earn that deal in a year or two's time. And I think that's what we've looked at. And as I say, it's hard to really judge them too much. We've not seen very much of them. Uh, so Krikus has been fine. Uh, he's six foot four. He's a big body. He's probably our biggest prop now. Um, 
he's only going to get better. It's one of those, you know, he played a, probably like played had some minutes of Hulk KR, played a bit of Huddersfield. It was a general, generally poor performance from the teams. So you can't really put too much into that. Uh Leomon came off the bench for Jordan Johnson. Um I liked him. He was lively. He was very lively. You could tell he was kind of getting to grips with it. Uh, but that's goes without saying. Obviously, it's first game here. It's a very different atmosphere. It wasn't the nicest weather either. Uh, I think we're going to get quite a bit out of Liam on tomorrow night. I think he can he can excite a few. He's very quick off the mark, very quick from hooker. Um, very good at kind of scamp- scampering around on those quick play of the balls. Uh, and Tassi Parler, I probably liked more than more than even those two, to be honest. He played in the centre. I probably see him as a second rower going forward, but he'll probably play centre tomorrow night. Um, tomorrow night. A bit of a Reese Martin type, uh, I think. Um, I, I kind of got that vibe from him probably a little bit quicker as well, to be fair. Um, maybe not of, of the experience of Reese Martin, but I really liked what I saw out of Tassie Parler. Uh, and in terms of the other signs of May mid-season, Jordan Johnson just been really steady. And it's just one of those kind of, I said at the time, it's just kind of a round peg in a round hole. Obviously, Mac has been out for some time. Probably not going to get Macca for the rest of the season, which is a massive blow. Um, I will say we'll be eternally grateful for that swap deal a few years ago. Thank you very much for that one. Um, I think it's fair to say we got the better end of that deal. Um, but yeah, JJ's been fine. Uh, Alex Foster, again, we kind of know what we're getting. Uh, he was a great part of that kind of peak kind of Powell side and um, kind of looking for his last opportunity at Super League, really. Uh, but he's going to be, he won't let you down, certainly, Alex Foster. Um, yeah, I'll let you speak on him, Adam, a little bit as well. One thing I would say is I've not looked at the history books on this, but. I'd certainly say in terms of combined squad numbers, we must be topping the charts tomorrow because I think there's going to be six <laughs> lads in the 40s, which is probably unheard of, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think with the three guys we brought over from Australia, um, it's an interesting one because the the guys and sort of Horn and Tassipale have got this opportunity thanks to the World Cup, obviously having played for Papua New Guinea for Horn and uh, Lebanon for Tassipale. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have got the kind of visas to be able to come across. Um, so I think the team that we've got kind of behind the scenes have been looking sort of not only in the Queensland New South Wales Cup, but the opportunities to give these guys from the World Cup that have maybe played for these Tier 2 nations uh, an opportunity to come and play pro over over in uh, Super League. I think Horn, Ross said it perfectly, um, brought such a spark when he came off the bench. Really lively. Just energy was kind of the word I, I, I uttered to a few people. He was just kind of a bit of a uh, live wiring around the middle of the field, especially in defence. Um, really brought in defence and was solid. Uh, Billy Sakrikas, again, big-bodied, just solid. It's what we've missed this year, I think, in the middle, uh, middle of the pack, especially when you've kind of had injuries to certain people and uh, certain signings maybe not shaping out how we may, maybe want to. Um, Tassi Parley is only going to get better as well. There's a, definitely a player in there. Um he does probably size out as maybe a second rower, but at centre, he's big, he's powerful. And he's probably going to bring a, a bit of a bite to our kind of team out of yardage. He's kind of similar how you guys all use uh, Riesling and Samisoni Lange, those big bodies really charging out of the backfield, wanting to kind of eat up those metres. Um, so it, it's a positive sign. And I feel like we've, we've kept his powder dry a little bit, maybe where you guys... Went a little bit earlier, bringing in sort of Fafita and Gale uh, and the French guys, Dagger. I feel like that was your time to kind of recruit because you needed to turn, obviously, with the run you were going on, something needed to change. Um, I'd, I think every cast fan would have liked to see us go a little bit earlier as well, but we've kind of kept us powder dry, as I say, and, and struck at sort of the right time when certain deals were on the line. Um, 
bringing in guys like Fozzy and uh, Jordan Johnston again. I think with Fozzy, he's, he's a guy that's maybe just getting back up to fitness in a Super League level. Um, obviously playing a few years over at Newcastle, potentially playing more middle um, at times as well. Probably hasn't helped his fitness. Uh, but he's getting there and I feel like him last, against Huddersfield was quite a solid defender um, in a bit of a game that was a bit crap for all 17. Um, so it's it's an interesting one and it's given a bit of a different look to the team than it was sort of a month, six weeks ago. Um, the guys are only going to be better for the couple of weeks that we've had. Obviously last week they were off, but this week in training, those combinations are only going to look a little bit better. And it's funny, I've, I've mentioned all these signings, but there's one player I haven't mentioned for us who is making his third debut for Trinity tomorrow, and that's Josh Griffin. Have we forgot about Griffin? Yeah, fan, a fantastic player to a point of, I almost think he's a bit too good to play for us, and I'm a bit worried that he's he's going to blow something because it's an incredible signing for us. Um, obviously, was played for you boys. It's his third time playing for us. Only the third ever player to play for us in three separate stints. Um Fantastic player for all, left too early, by all accounts. We've actually got family who live in Hull and who are Hull FC fans, and they're blown away. They cannot believe that they've let Griffin go at this point. And, um, you know, you're speaking about strong centres. Sammy Sonny Lang is actually probably out for a long period mm. now, actually. Yeah, he got quite a bad injury a couple of weeks ago at Hull. And um, Griffin's either going to slot in there or he'll go in the back row for us tomorrow, I imagine. But Dad, I know you're a big fan of Griffin, um, and I'm very, very happy and very hyped that he's, he's going to be making his third debut against against Cast tomorrow night because he, he plays well under pressure as well. He's one of those players you want playing in your big games. Yeah, great player. When, when the, again, when the rumor mill came out, I thought, no, nah, we're not going to get him. He's, he's not going to come to us. Um, but um, when you look on social media, the whole fans were devastated. You know, you follow a couple of whole fan sites, and there wasn't one person. And you know, sometimes when you go on social media, there's always some negativity. Not one person had anything bad to say about him. And I thought, well, that's good for us. And I, I saw him at the Magic Weekend. I think Hull beat, I think it was Warrington. I can't remember exact top of my head. He scored a trick and he was outstanding. Um, and then he had that altercation with Kendall. And who's reffing tomorrow? But Mr. Kendall again, <laughs> crying out loud. But yeah, I, I'm, so, I'm quite excited. What, what a signing. I thought he'd slot back nicely into our second row. You know, I thought it'd be a, a freshen up our, our second row a little bit. But unless he puts him in the centre because of Lange being injured now, I don't know. Um, good stuff. And then just kind of coming off for you boys, just kind of rounding off the kind of present day chat. I know we've touched upon it already. Blake Austin, I, I was I was scared actually when it first came up because I thought, he, like I said, he, he's played well against us every time. I never really see him have a poor game. Um, I'm also a West Tigers fan as well as being a Trinity fan. He was great for the Tigers in the NRL and fantastic for Canberra. And he's just a player that's really going to light a fire under, under a team, I imagine. Are you, are you excited for him? For what he can bring to you, boys. Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm certainly not buying into the chat that he's injured either. I'm not, <laughs> I think <laughs> listening to listening to Danny Ward earlier, I think it's uh, it's fair to say he's going to play tomorrow night. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like a fire. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, he's certainly got the ability to do so. He's obviously we, we're not entirely sure of the situation. In, 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 I mean, basically, they've not offered him a deal for next year of the Leeds, and I, I can't understand it to be honest with you. I think he's been. I mean, you probably throw Cameron Smith in there, but besides Smig, I think he's been his best player. Uh, I think he's been brilliant this year. Look at his stats, that backs it up as well. Um, it's a weird one. I mean, obviously, Caesar's not kind of hit it. Uh, not kind of been at that level for Leeds, and obviously, Milo's out now. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised Austin's not got a deal for next year. And I think it must just be 
Mr. Heffernan with a B in his bonnet, I think, uh, an element of that. But um, yeah, getting that deal over the line is absolutely huge. As you say, uh, hopefully he just lights a fire. And the, the, it was similar to the um, the Griffin, really, uh, the Griffin news for you. Is obviously, there's nothing but negativity this year. There's been an awful lot of it on social media. It's half the reason I created the podcast, to be honest, to try and combat that. This sign-in was 99% positive, uh, very much from cast fans. It was generally exciting. Came out of the blue as well, completely left field. Uh, I think even Andy Last didn't know it was happening until that morning, by the sound of things. Um, the one kind of 1% was um, someone, I read someone say, does he not play a little bit too off the cuff and is he going to go against the structure? To which my response was, we've had no structure, so I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's absolutely fine. I think any kind of, um, you know, he's going he's gonna to take the game by the scruff of the neck or he's going to attempt to at the very least. And like I say, Milky has his excuses, but he's not really been able to do that this year for various reasons. Uh, I think the pack, like I say, has not been great this season. In terms of motivation, uh, that's what they've been lacking. I think in, in large parts, there's been obviously quite a lot of them are aging, probably looking beyond rugby in some cases, certainly looking at new contracts. But if they're ever going to be up for it, it will be tomorrow night, certainly. I think the sky cameras, if nothing else, will do a, will, will do a job for them. In fact, kind of shop window, uh, shop window in some that haven't even got deals for next year. So I think the pack's not going to let him down tomorrow. There's going to be a bit of a platform. Um, I think Blake Austin's hopefully he's just going to take that game by the absolute scruff of the neck. And we know he's got the ability to create some create some magic if he does that. And thankfully he's had, you know, three or four sessions this week to kind of hopefully get some connections going. And, you know, it's an interesting one, because he obviously he's going to play six with um, with Milky at seven and it's that Widdup connection. Uh, like I said, Widdup's going to come in at fullback then. And by far the best we've played this year was against Leeds Rhinos, I think, at Magic Weekend. I think it was the first time uh, Widdup played at fullback or very, very close coming into the line. It was more of a Paul McShane job that day to kind of, kind of help him along. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a shame we haven't got him in the, in the team. But um, that could be massive for us. Uh, and for the next six games, not just tomorrow night, I think that connection between Widdup and Austin could be, hopefully, I'm saying with fingers crossed, obviously, could be could be the difference for us. Um, I'm just glad the club actually struck when they did. Uh, you know, they could have shied away from that. Obviously, there was a little bit of uncertainty why he was leaving Leeds. Obviously, he did that podcast and there was various things. Um but yeah, I think we're at a point where we probably couldn't say no at that point when the offer was on the table. I'm glad they've done it. Um, it seems committed enough to me uh, from, from the very little things you can see on social media. I, I guess we'll see tomorrow night, won't we, Adam? Yeah, it, the signing of Austin reminds me kind of when you guys signed Luke Gale. Similar in ability, similar as a kind of maverick sort of halfback that can really lead a team and can probably drag a team to a win or two, hopefully, kind of as we come down the stretch towards the end of the season. Um, having that sort of enigma of a player kind of bouncing around that team can only be, be good. He's got wealth of experience that he's only got to bring. And he kind of looks like he's got a new lease on life a little bit. He looks a little bit happier in himself. Um, I know we, I'm sure we've all seen the little bit, the little clips of the podcast, and he seemed to have a lot of gripes with what kind of was going on behind the scenes at Leeds. Um, I think he's dragged Gary Everton through the mud a little bit, which. Um, no shock there that Gary's sort of maybe taken a bit of a uh, dislike into that. Um, but we're more than happy to have him at Cass, and I know a lot of fans really are excited by the signing. I think it's probably the signing we needed at this point in the season, um, especially coming off the back of that Huddersfield game. Everything feeling a bit down to have that th- kind of the thought of he's not played this week, but he'll be pl- he'll be playing against Wake. You know, be good to go against Wakefield, kind of almost give you that thought, thought of, again, that buzzword we're using, that optimism for ready for kind of two weeks off before we were 
we've got this big game at, at Bellevue. We've got that special kind of halfback that could really propel us into something uh, like a win. And dare I say, Jamie, also tomorrow night's important, but we're very aware that our final game of the season's at Headingley as well. So that could be a really interesting. And as far as we're aware, because he's off deal, there's nothing to stop Austin playing in that game as well. So that would be uh, fiery, to say the least. There might be a few choice words from him aimed at the uh, the owner's box, potentially. Sure, he'll be uh, gunning for a performance that day as well. Yeah. Good stuff. And then kind of looking at our fixtures as well, we've... We after you boys, we play Salford away, Saints at home, Catalan at home, Lee away, Hulkar away. Um, Dad, we spoke about this on our own kind of little fans forum, but that could very easy easily be five losses there. But that could very easily fall our way if we, if we beat Cass. That's five home wins in a row, and then we're tasked with you know Saints and Catalan at home. We're probably going to be the top two by that point. You'd imagine they'll be they'll be fighting for it. But the last two against Lee and Kr. Arguably, over the past couple of years, the cup finalists have drifted towards the back end of the year. So we could very luckily be in a position where we're fighting, playing against teams who are a bit out of form there. So, uh, you know, I'll pose it to you boys in a minute, obviously, coming into your last five games. But, Dad, it all depends on Cass, obviously, initially. But five games there, how, again, that word, how optimistic are you looking at Salford Saints, Catalan, Leon O'Kerr? Yeah, because like you, you said, Hulkar away, but the actual Hulkar game is at home. So out of our next six games, we've got four at home. And it is developing. It's always been a bit of a graveyard. Once we get on a roll, Bellevue is a bit of a graveyard. You know, nobody likes our changing rooms. Uh, nobody liked our pitch up until this year. So Casper tomorrow, St. Helens, St. Helens at home. Who knows? You know, St. Helens haven't been great this year. Catalan are firing. They're going well. Uh, like you said, Lee and Hulkar are both. It depends on sometimes you win the cup, sometimes you lose the cup, but sometimes the cup finalists do fade away after the final. So if we can win our home games, and you know our our away form has been awful, we've lost every away game this year. But we look at we're not looking too far ahead. But Salford look as though they're in a little bit of free fall. Salford away might be our chance to get an away win, uh, and then Lee, who knows at Lee? Um, but yeah, we, you know it's like everybody's been banging on the on tomorrow. The loser goes down. No way. There's another five games after uh, after that, and anything can happen. So uh, if we can sort of maintain, if we can get three wins out of the last five, that's our target. If we win our last three home games, Catalan might be tough, St. Helens might be tough, but if we can pick up a win at Salford, who knows? But we're on a roll. You know, If we can get a positive result tomorrow, we, you know, we've won four out of our last eight now, and we are playing well at home. So uh, if we keep that momentum going, fingers crossed. I don't actually know you boys have got, like you say, you've got Leeds last game. What what are your games after us? Yeah, I've got it. Oh, so I've got it. I'll, 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 I'll run you through. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, on your uh, fixtures, I mean, yeah, the fact you've got more home games than us is the worry. Uh, def- definitely from our point of view. I think naturally we're, the same, we're in the same boat. Obviously, we did get the magic win, but it's a little different. Uh, we've obviously not won on the road either. Uh, I hope, obviously, tomorrow is obviously where we hope to turn that around. But our games, obviously, uh, yourselves tomorrow night, Saints at home. Uh, Warrington away, Hull at home, and then two away games uh, against Wigan and Leeds. I think the way to look at it, obviously, we look at home games. You've got to target the home games. They're far from easy. Obviously, St. Ellen's the, the team they are. They're going to be going for Catalans uh, towards um, towards the top of the table. But at home, you always fancy yourselves. If you can, obviously, I think a lot of it is dependent on the confidence we can gain from tomorrow. Don't get me wrong. In regards to the result, the performance has got to be a hell of a lot better. Um, but you've got to look at your home games as opportunities regardless of the opposition. So, obviously, you look at Saints, you look at Hull. Um, then you look at the away games we've got, obviously, like, as I say, yourselves tomorrow night, 
Warrington, Leeds final game of the season. You, you, you're somewhat right off Wigan away, although historically we have pulled out results there. I think the positive thing about those three away games in particular, if you look at Wakefield, you look at Warrington, you look at Leeds, is we've beaten all three this year. And you've got to think about motivation you can find from anywhere. And uh, I think Danny Ward, I mean, thought that, that there's his team talk, isn't it? I mean, the fact that regardless of the form Warrington hit at that point, regardless of the form Leeds hit at that point, regardless of your form, they are three teams that 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 squad and it, it might be our worst team, you know, since 2006 or probably since about 2011, 2012 when Ian Mill was in charge. It's the worst side in 10 years and yet they've still beaten those three teams on, the, on that day. Um, so there's, there's room for optimism regardless of tomorrow for the cast fans, I think. Uh, the performance has got to be up to scratch regardless of the result. Uh, but as you say, Lee, I think tomorrow night it's big and Sky will make it feel like a grand final and all that. And, you know, it'll seem like the end of the world, whoever loses. But five games is a lot. Of, it's a lot of rugby in it. You know, it's a lot of rugby. You've got four hundred minutes there to try and to try and put it right. Whoever loses tomorrow, so I, I'm certainly not resting on my laurels. If we get the win, I'm sure you'll be the same. Um, yeah, Adam. In terms of our in terms of our running, what are you think about it? Yeah, it's uh, there's a few games there that you can definitely target. The point of you that you've made that we've already beaten three of these teams is is massive. I think whoever wins tomorrow, it's definitely advantage to them. I think we've all we're all under the same kind of thought process that it's definitely not over. Um Warrington are still seeming like they might be in a bit of a free free fall even with Pauli leaving. Um the game the other week. Um I think they lost heavily again, um, even with the kind of new regime in place. Um obviously they've got new guys coming in next year, so it's kind of what it's they not, do. It's not a new regime, is it? It's, it's not just, really it's, it's, it's a, just a, it's a, a holding regime. The tie over. Um but it's kind of the thought process of the players that will be staying will they want to put kind of an effort in, a, a good effort in towards the end of the season, ready for this new regime and Sam Burgess taking over, kind of putting themselves in the shop window to potentially uh, nail down a spot next year or the guys that are leaving to nail down a contract elsewhere. What's their thought process and kind of mentality going into sort of the back end of the season? Um, the Leeds game will just be as big as tomorrow night, I think. Um, I think we'll be revisiting exactly the same amount of feelings heading into that game. Um, hope, hopefully we've picked up a few wins and we're points clear and it's it's all sorted, but I've, I'm under no illusion that that won't be the case and we'll be going into the last game looking at kind of uh, results that we need or points, different swings and everything, um, which I'm sure we'll both both sets of fans will enjoy. Um, be an absolute nail-biter. Is that at Headingley or at Weldon Road that last it's game? It's at Headingley. Headingley yeah. okay. It's at Headingley. So that will make it even more worrisome for us mm. um, with our away form at the moment. Yeah, we did discuss, I mean, from a cast fan perspective, with, well, as yourselves, but certainly of us going to Headingley last game of the season, there is the possibility of absolute worst-case scenario in the sense that we go to Headingley final game of the season, lose to Leeds, that keeps you up and then Featherstone take our place. It's pretty <laughs> much, I mean, but of course the flip side of that always is it could be the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so there is always that element. And I think certainly on the Coivecast, we try and look at the positive side of things. And <laughs> in my head, you know, we win by 40 at Headingley and we stay up and who knows, maybe to lose beat Fev as well for good measure. <laughs> they don't come up either. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, I think nail bite is what you've just said, Adam. And it's yeah. Nail biting is the way to put it in terms of the run, isn't it? Uh, Jamie. Definitely. So, I mean, we, we've we've made a history of it. Obviously, we've this is our I think our twenty fifth or twenty sixth season in Super League, and we've had a relegation battle in three quarters of those seasons. We, we we seem to be that team 
Um, unfortunately, I think we've made the playoffs three or four times in our 25 years. I mean, look, since since we played you in that million pound game, you've gone down, come up, played at Wembley twice and played in the grand final. And we've played in another million pound game and made the playoffs. It's just obviously two two totally different runs from, from two di- totally different clubs. This is our biggest game in probably since our million pound game against Bradford in 2015, I think that was. Um, and even though we've got, you know, we've played in Chance Cup semi-finals since we've played in in uh, in big games, but this is it's not do or die. I was going to say do or die. It's potentially do or die because I think it's more of a case for us. If we can't beat Cass at home, then what can we do? Um, even though you know we've just beat Wigan at home, we've just beaten Warrington at home, we just beat Leeds at home. But equally, if if you can't get yourself up as a Wakefield player to play the the, the worst team in the league that isn't us. In your home ground, on which is hopefully a nice sunny Friday evening in summer, and against your local rivals, then it's a case of what else can we do? Like it's kind of, it's, I think it's that type of mentality for me, um, and that's why I'm kind of going into it optimistically. Again, it's that word. I was more optimistic before you appointed Ward. I was more optimistic before you signed Austin. Without those two, I, I genuinely, I think if we'd have played you after we beat Warrington. And before you'd assign them them guys in, I think we'd have put thirty points on you actually, because um, we were in great form before we played Hull and before obviously you brought Austin and Ward in. We were going up and you were shooting down in form, and I think we've probably just petered out a little bit more. We've both had a rest with the Chance Cup final, obviously as well, um, but it's still nail biting. I'll, I'll be on a. I'll actually be on a. I'll have just landed in Belfast at kickoff, so I'm hoping to get the second half in the middle of Belfast. But I'll I'll be sat on the. Uh, I think I'm on Ryanair or Aer Lingus or something biting my nails, definitely, yeah. But, Dad, you'll be there um, with the family. Um, obviously, you run the past players by, so you'll be stuck with a few old Wakefield old boys as well, and it might be full with a few Cass old boys. But I'm guessing it'll be, we're talking about nerves again as we did at the start of the podcast, but it'll be a, a nervous vibe, I imagine, at the start of the game. Yeah, it was a sellout three weeks ago. And when we say sellout, it's probably only about 4,700 because of our ground. We're still waiting for our main stand to open up, which which can house another 2,500 when it's open. So, yeah, everybody's sort of now scraping for tickets. Has anybody got a spare ticket? We look after the past players' uh, lounge and look after the past players. And I put the call out a month ago. If you want to come to the cast game, you've got to get in now. And a lot did. And a lot still are coming back to us and saying, uh, have you got any spare tickets? No, mate, they've long gone. No, they, you can't get anybody in. You can't squeeze them in at all. Yeah, but it's also it's going to be uh, good stuff, and it? it's going to be exciting. Like you, like you just said, if we can't raise our game, that was my big disappointment last year. I know we're talking a year ago back, round about Easter. We played Cass at home um, the Thursday before Easter, and we lost 34-4. Um, and I, I remember thinking, if we can't raise ourselves for Castleford at home and put in a performance like that, then we are going to struggle. And we did, but that was a year ago. Same thing tomorrow. You know, we've got to we've got to come out. We've got to come out and fighting. Don't sit back. If you sit back and let Cass come at us like they have done in the past, we'll be twelve nil, eighteen nil down before we know it, and then we, we're a bit screwed. So we've got to come out and, and front up early on. And I put it out on Twitter today, actually, that. You know, the last time we beat Cass at home was the 8th of September 2013. So almost 10 years since we've beat you boys at home. Again, it's that point of if we can't do it now, when can we do it or why are we even turning up? It's that it's that point in it, Dad. But Dad, I know I know we've kind of collated some some uh, some stats. I know you, you want to fire some out just before we get onto a bit more chat. So talk let's talk about some past experiences or biggest scores or whatever you've you've collated for us. One thing I always do do bring up, and the modern-day Super League fan, the modern-day Castleford and Wakefield fan, hate each other. You know, they're always having to go each other on Facebook and social media. 
I'm not like that. I'm a bit older. I'm in my, I'm in my 50s. So I was brought up in the 70s. And Wakefield and Castle were just friendly rivals. We all ate Leeds. You know, Leeds were our rivals. And still, yeah, yeah, yeah. we still love to beat Leeds. Mm. Cass have sort of developed into those local rivals. But I was brought up in the 70s. And I first went to uh, Weldon Road, the jungle as it is now, in 1974. It's that long ago. And okay. I was brought up watching, I know, it's a long time ago, isn't it? You know, Malcolm Reilly, Steve Norton, John Joyner, um, Kevin Ward later on, the, the Beardmore twins, went and a bit further on Lee Crooks and what have you. You know, I was brought up in that area. And in the 70s, Castleford were phenomenal. Classy cast, they called them. They won the John Player. They won the they won the, 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 the flooded trophy. So I, was a, I wouldn't say I was a classic cast fan, but Castleford also played on Friday nights back in the 70s, where Trinity played on the Sundays. So my dad was a big fan, and he used to have friends that go. So many a time, we went down to, went down to um, cast on a Friday night, and we saw some great games. Um, and, and obviously, the joiners, the realers, the knock and ortons of the day. So I was brought up in that era and loved it. Loved, still love the 70s, still love writing about the 70s. But we've had some sort of big games over the years. I, the, the big one to me was the Yorkshire Cup final in 1990. Um, when, when I don't do this, I'm, when me and Jamie are both physios, and I was physio I was physio at Trinity back in the day. So I was a physio on the bench on that day when Cass beat us. I think it was 11-8. Um, so over the years, Cass always seemed to have had the, the rub on, on some big cup games. I think we've only beaten Castleford once in the last 50 years in the Cup. And that was a Challenge Cup game in 2003. We've had the Yorkshire Cup final. We've had John Player matches. We've had champion. We've had winning the Premiership. We have Yorkshire Cup semi-final back in 83 when Cass came to Bellevue and beat us 34-12. So we always, even though we, we sort of, I admire Cass, they've often had a bit of a, a rub on us. Going back even further, we've actually had the rub on them as well. You know, we've 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 beaten them in the playoffs. We our biggest attendance over the last fifty years was twenty thousand, and that's when Cass came in a Challenge Cup game in nineteen sixty eight when the water splash year. So yeah, there's been some uh, some great wins, some great games. Uh, the, I, unfortunately, I wasn't around. I, I was doing something else at the time when Cass beat Wakefield eighty six nil. That was in nineteen ninety five. So I don't know that you lads were around then. Um, the biggest win we've ever had was the Magic Weekend in 2008. We put 50 past you, 54-16 at Man City. That was a, a good game. Um, so those are sort of the, the rivals. We've had some big crowds. The biggest crowd we've ever had, 22,000 at Bellevue in 1951. And the biggest crowd at Cask. Imagine 18,000 getting in there for a Trinity Cask game in, in the Yorkshire Cup final in 1948. So um, some big stuff. I, I just love that. I just I've, I actually do newsletters for my Trinity Heritage piece. And I've actually done a specific Trinity Cast newsletter over the last few years, highlighting all these, highlighting the players, the, the George Ballantyne, the Jeff Race, the, the Nocky Nortons, who's played for both teams back in my day. We've actually played each other 206 times. About 10 years ago, we were quite level. We'd, we, I think we were early in the late 80s. I think we'd won 88 each, 89 each. Now we've won, oh. we've won 90 and Castleton have won 107. So that's how it's differed with that sort of run Castle that have had the 17 straight in the last 10 years. So that's just a little bit of my boring, tedious history that I look into. You say that, but everybody loves a bit of history. Everybody loves the stats, and I'm sure you boys love doing that as well. We thought we'd collect that. that that's our thing. We're heritage, we are the heritage boys. We love all the history, but we love a bit of modern day as well. Um, I, I don't actually know how old either of you two boys are or how long you've been watching Cast, but have you got any fond memories of, of big games? Obviously, we've... We've it's been a long time since we've had any form against you, but obviously we've won one game in the last eighteen and nineteen against you. So I imagine you've got some uh, nice little victories against us. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'm 25, so uh, yeah, I was born in '97, so obviously there's a fair few of those I wasn't, I wasn't around for. Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm a bit, bit sweet Wakefield, obviously, because one of my, uh, my early memories, um, are the game 2004, and obviously the that that game in 2006. So, in terms of kind of the the friendly rivalry that you talk about, Lee, uh, me, me being a kid, not so much. You didn't feel like it. <laughs> there was a little bit of a little bit of needle towards Wakefield that as I grew up a little bit, obviously. Uh, I'm the same as you. I think it's more Leeds, to be honest. But um, it, it, even so, there's been an element of that. So yeah, my earliest memories of Wakefield genuinely are kind of 2004 that season when he came out, uh, came to our place just before the end of the season, and then and then 2006, obviously. Uh, obviously, since then, as, as you say, we've, we've had a great run. I mean, what, 17 in a row, whatever it was. It was yeah, it, it kind of d- distinguished the rivalry a little bit. I, I felt would you, would um, extinguish should I say, which almost a bit of shame in a way. I mean, we loved it, don't get me wrong, but it, it became. Because we want, we want. I mean, he's. I don't want to say golden era, because obviously you, you need a proper trophy at the end of that. And it's a shame we never got there, but it really was, and it was a great time to watch Cass Rugby under Pauli. And you know, it, it really did become that lead rivalry when we get to Headingley and stuff like that. In, in that time, in Wakefield, I'll be, I'll be honest, it almost seemed like a bit of a given sometimes when we're playing. Yeah, I'm sure you felt the same, to be honest. Um, in terms of fondest memories, there, um, I, I'll leave an, an obvious one to Adam. I, I know he's going to mention it um, from 2017, but. Well, again, one of my relatively early ones. I think it was 2011. It will have been 2011 because we made a Challenge Cup semi-final. There was a quarter-final at your place. It was either round. It was either round before or the quarter-final at your place. I do forget. I was quite young. Uh, and Kirk Dixon kicks a penalty from about 70 yards away. It felt like it. That, was, that was right in front of me. I remember Dale Morrison <sighs> gave the penalty away. I remember. Yeah. I remember it like it, 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 it was like he kicked it from the back of the flats. It was it was, yeah. it was an unbelievable kick from uh, mm. from Dicko. It was a great player for us as well. Not the most flashy winger of all time by any means, but a proper servant and a. Uh, a, a good bloke, Kurt Dixon, uh, despite being a whole lad, if it felt like a, a castle almost by the end. And um, that's probably one of my fondest. Um, but obviously, the, the, there's a fair few, a fair few good trips to Magic Weekend, as you mentioned, uh, over the last few years as well. It's a shame we don't play each other at Magic Weekend uh, as much anymore, to be honest. Obviously, it's kind of veered towards us playing Leeds all the time, which is, is fine. But uh, I quite enjoy playing Wakefield at mm-hmm. uh, Magic, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, Adam, your, your fondest memory. I mean, we were both there, so I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know yeah. Yeah, we, we had the great pleasure of working for the uh, media team at CAS um, in the 2017 season. So, obviously, there's a nice little picture of me and Ross with Powell and I think Michelle Cooper was media marketing manager at the time um, with the league leader's shield, obviously, playing you down at the jungle um, as we clinched that league leader's shield is always going to be something that we'll all remember, kind of, as CAS fans. Um, I feel like it was almost poetic that it was Wakefield that we won it against. Um, which is great times. But speaking of Magic, I, I remember kind of the 2015, the last, I believe it was the last time that we played at Magic uh, against against Wakefield. I remember, obviously, Ashley Gibson and Dennis Solomona, who is a name that cast fans probably don't want to hear too much of. But they both scored hat tricks um, in that game. And I, I just remember it kind of being a real good game, kind of for Rugby League and especially for Cass. And it's just sort of stuck in my mind. But I think the 2017 League Leaders Shield will always trump it a little bit. Yeah, and um, that, it was amazing. Um, I'll speak on that as well. It was, I mean, I, we were in a very privileged position at the time. Obviously, I was just interned at the club. I was only 16, 17, I think I was. And I always remember feeling I could, I was close enough to be able to feel the heat of the pyrotechnic when it went up, yeah. which was like just absolutely just mad. And mm-hmm. yeah, to, to lift a trophy on that ground is just, I mean, it's beyond wildest dreams, really. Um, that was an amazing night. And again, maybe a little bit poetic. It was against rivals as well. 
Um, this is a split podcast, so by all means, if you want to talk about a certain night in 2006, you mm-hmm. can crack on. <laughs> I don't mind you discussing it. Obviously, it is an iconic night, isn't it? Icon- iconic for, for Trinity, and I guess even iconic for, for Cass in a, in a weird way. But a, a massive game in Super League history. It's kind of down mm-hmm. there with, with the Wide to West try and you know the Vinacolo try at... Um, uh, we, uh, Odsell, I think, where he runs all the way down the side, and the Michael Withers try at, at Old Trafford. They show it year upon year upon year, don't they? That that James Evans try or the JD try, remarkable for us because we were dead and buried that season again. Um, everybody forgets. I mean, not Wakefield or Cast, but everybody forgets that neither of us actually finished bottom that year. It was yeah. Catalan that finished yeah. bottom. And they were kind of exempt from from relegation and they couldn't go down. So it was down to us too. We were dead and buried. Um, I think we'd beaten Salford maybe. Or we'd beaten, we beat Bradford, I think the week before. And you'd lost to Salford in the last mm. couple of minutes, which put us both level or to a point of obviously battling it out. And then it came down to the Battle of Bellevue, which is what a lot of people call it, million pound game, whatever one of people call it. Yep. If any young listeners are out there and they don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> the extended highlights are on YouTube. Just type in Wakefield against Cass in 2006. It was a remarkable atmosphere. I think it's the biggest crowd at Bellevue in the past 25 years, Dad. About 11,000 turned up. It, biggest crowd in a long, long time. Um, and from what I remember, I'd probably like to watch it again. I was only, God, 13 so I'm 30 now, so I was probably only 13. I was there, I remember it. Um, but I remember James Evans having an absolute worldie. I think we actually signed him from you, boys. Cast player, yeah. Yeah, cast player, yes, which was even more brilliant for us. JD stood up, fantastic. Monty Beetham were, were great. We had, we had a team full of leaders. It's funny, when you look back at um, our team from that day, we had some cracking players. We still had kind of our golden age from 03, 04 in. Solomon was playing Corky, Ben Jeffries, Monty Beetham. Uh, JD, Semitajalala, and you almost think, well, I don't know why we were even down there. With Ryan Atkins had just started with us. Um, but yeah, I, I will always speak about that game. It's it's what saved us. We've still not been relegated to this day, <laughs> even though we've had, I think we've gone down, we've had two million pound games. We've had a game against London where if we lost, we could have gone down. We've had a game against Salford where if we lost, we could have gone down. We've got this year. So I think we've survived relegation six or seven times in, in 20 odd years. So, um, and but that's the most important one against your local rivals, and it, that really was do or die because it was the last game of the season as well, and it's what they kind of nicked the million pound game tag from, and 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 uh, created that that super eights from there as well. Um, other ones that stick out for me, I mean, we haven't had many, we haven't had many wins. Obviously, we've had, I think we've had two or three in the past eleven or twelve years against you, so they all stick out. Obviously, last year with. The game at Cass, which was great for Fita getting that barnstorming try. Um, the one 10 years ago that we've mentioned, Liam Kerr getting the try. Young Liam Kerr, a skinhead Liam Kerr actually getting a, a try against you boys. And then obviously the last win against um, you boys bef- before that long run at Cass where Danny Washbuck scored. Mm-hmm. I think it was 24-22, I think. We were losing by heavy later. Maybe even something like 18 or 20 nil and we came back and won. Um, but I- I'm sure Dad's got better memories than me because, again, growing up in a lot of my adolescence and maturity years, we've just got hammered by Cass. So I, I ain't got that many um, highlights. But yeah, for me, Dad, definitely the 06 million pound game, the last away win and um, probably last year as well. Yeah, a lot, a lot of mine. Yeah, obviously the modern day ones, as you, as you will have talked about. But I was sort of brought up, as I say, in the 70s. But our we had mini glory years. We, we call them the British Coal years because we were sponsored by a British Coal. And we had British Coal on, our, on the front of our jerseys. That's when David Topless was our coach. He was one of our big heroes, still is a big hero. Uh, and many and one of my standout games, even though despite all these other ones we've talked about, came around about 1989, I think it was. I was just looking at it. 
and we're we're in a we were in a sort of very similar situation where we were nearly bottom of the league. Actually, Castleford were top of the league. They were flying. Kevin Ward, um, John Joyner era. And we had to win six of our last eight games to stay up. That's what they, that's what they actually said. First up with Castleford at home, who were the league leaders, flying, who'd only lost a couple of games all season. Uh, it was a, a dull February day, typical Bellevue day, a bit grimy. And we won 26-8. So those sort of days stand out for me. Our stars were people like Nigel Bell and, and Johnny Thompson, and Billy Conway, and Mark Conway, and Keith Rain, people like that just... Old legends and great legends, all in our Hall of Fame. So that's sort of they're the sort of days that I remember because I was sort of in and I was in my twenties then, um, and we had a lot of those. You know, back in the, back in those eighties, we weren't very good. We didn't win anything. We haven't won anything for a long time. But every now and again, we turned cash over, which were great. So those were some of my great uh, memories. As we start to wind down, boys, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously I'm, I'm sure you're going to ask us a similar question. But if if you do lose tomorrow, um, you know, it's, it's us two now, isn't it? There's, there's no one else who's going to get relegated. I think Huddersfield and Hull are, are too far gone. It's Castle Wakey, which unfortunately is, 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 you know, it's going to be a case next year where we won't play each other regardless. Um, if you do lose tomorrow, what's the mindset of the fan base? Are you are you are you consigned to relegation, or are you, have you still got that that last five in you? I don't know. Uh, if I'm honest, I, 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 as I said maybe 20 minutes ago. Um, I'm very aware there's still five games left, and I think I'm sure you're the same. And you, um, I wouldn't be consigned to it. There's an element of performance tomorrow as well, regardless of the result. Like I say, I think you know we've got to put it in tomorrow. And if look, if the 17 lads don't show up tomorrow, then yeah, I would be consigned to it absolutely. But I don't think that'll be the case ultimately. Um, as, as far as the fan base on the whole, I mean, as I said earlier on, obviously I think Cardiff Castle listeners will know this. Um, not so much your guys, but. Basically, the reason I, I created this podcast in a, in a big way was the fact we were very much in the doldrums even back in May. And the fan base had soured uh, in, in a big way, certainly on social media. And I know that does not, um, that's not everyone. That, that isn't everyone, but it is the most vocal uh, element of it. And it's unless I go into Carlton Lane Shopping Centre and literally ask every single person what they think about it, it's hard to know, isn't it? So you've got to kind of take social um, as gospel. Some will turn. Tomorrow, I think if we lose, if we lose by a few scores, there'll be a few fully consigned to it. I think uh, that'll be the case. I think that's always the case, though. I'd like to think the fact we've brought Danny Ward in, the fact he's only had one week with them, the fact Blake Austin's there again, we've got to see a little bit something from him tomorrow. But I, I think the majority of the fan base will at least give it a couple more games. Um, Saints at home's not going to be easy by any stretch, but again, a little before a performance there. Uh, and then you see what you can do in the next two. I, I don't think it's dead. I hope the fan base will certainly get behind Danny Ward, uh, regardless of what happens tomorrow. They need to. Because um, that's the thing. If the fan base does turn and all of a sudden those last two home games, there's 4,000 there, yeah, we're down. Uh, we would be. I think you, you know, you'll, you've been to Weldon Road yourself. You know how important it is to kind of get eight, 9,000 of us down there to to shout us home. I don't, I, there's, no, there's no place like it, in my opinion, Weldon Road. It's, well, it's certainly got its faults, so let's be fair, but when it when it's rocking, it really is something. And I mean, every player has ever played down there in a win has, has said that they've been behind them. So, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that the majority of the fan base will stick with it and still give us a chance. Um, but there'll be a few. There'll, there'll be a few. I admittedly, they'll think that's it if we lose tomorrow. I and mean, it doesn't help. Obviously, the, you know, the media is pretty much saying as such, isn't it? I mean, the, the, it's their job. Don't get me wrong. They want to see as many people watching on Sky tomorrow. Um, it's a side point that they've organised loads of games tomorrow night as well at the same time, which I don't yeah. understand. Uh, I'd have thought those are neutrals would have wanted to watch it, but what do I know? Uh, no game tonight for some reason. Again, I don't yeah. really know what's going on there. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what you think, Adam. I, I think the majority will at least give it a few more weeks and give Danny Ward the, the chance to actually put his stamp on it. Um, but yeah, we need a performance tomorrow at least. Even if it's not a result, we need a performance, don't we? I think the feeling of the fan base come kickoff will be the, probably the most positive and yeah. hopeful that it's been all season. Whether or not it'll be still as hopeful and positive come full time, I'm not 100% sure. Um, as Ross said, I think seeing a reaction and seeing a performance is kind of one of the biggest things kind of going forward. I know we keep, I know Ross said, at least give it a couple of weeks, but there's not many weeks and the weeks are running out and it's going to get to a point where it's we're going to have no games left and we're going to be still thinking we've got to give it a couple of weeks. It might work out, but it's clearly not. Um, so I think performance-wise, if we can pick up the win, be brilliant for morale, be brilliant for kind of the feeling around the fans. Um, but I think the key is getting a performance and a reaction out of these players in the 17 that we put out. If we see improvements from players that have maybe had down, seat, down years so far, and maybe not lived up to expectations, it'll give a bit of a sense that we're not out of it, uh, regardless of results. Um, but I feel like definitely whoever wins, I, I believe I said it earlier, whoever wins, it's definitely advantage them. And they take the advantage going into the last five weeks of the season and it'll be a tough turnaround for the team that loses. Um, but I don't, I don't know how you guys are seeing this and feeling it. If I could just make one point as well before you answer, if you don't mind, Jamie. Like I think our fan bases, and I'm kind of speaking to our fan base in a little bit here as well, is I think there's been a real frustration this year. And it's not really anyone's fault at the club, I don't think, or anyone around the town. But I think it's the result of what I mentioned earlier, kind of the IMG stuff and the uncertainty. I think if this was just a normal year um, without this kind of stuff looming, I think the fan base would probably be a little bit more positive, regardless. I think what you probably have that we don't at the moment and this is not to say we don't have this. It's just not been kind of vocalised to us. I think you've got an element of assurance that no matter what happens next year, you're all right as a club, um, regardless of the squad on the field. I'm not, I personally think we'll be okay if we get relegated. I don't think it's a situation where we're going bankrupt or anything like that and we're going to end up a league one side or a part-time side. I don't think that is the case. Uh, I think for for all the kind of hammer they get, I think the board are a little bit too switched on for that. And ultimately we own the ground, which is a massive thing as well. A lot of clubs don't have. I think the the reason why our fan base has been so toxic this year is because there's been no real communication from, or no good enough communication from above and IMG themselves as well in terms of what happens to Castle Tigers if they go down, is that it? And there, I think there's an assumption by some who probably don't read into it that that's it, we're dead <laughs> if we go down this year. And that's really kind of soured the atmosphere. And it's very difficult because part of you wants the board to come out and go, no, no, we're fine, don't worry about it. But at the same time, you also don't want the board to even address the situation of going down because of that you don't want to feel defeated at the same time. So it's a difficult one for them. But I guess you've got a slightly different view of this, haven't you? Because like, like I said at the top of the show, you probably had lesser expectations for this year. You kind of thought you were in a bit of a relegation battle. But also what I thought was really interesting, I mean, obviously the, the, the potential ownership takeover and all that kind of thing, which seems to be, you'll know a lot better than me, but seems to be a pretty much pretty much happening in the stand, all that. Um, but Michael Carter pretty much said as much, didn't he, when you were on Sky earlier on the season, that you'd be okay to a certain degree, where we've not really had that. And I think that probably explains a lot of where, where our fan base is coming from at the moment. Um, yeah, what's your take? I mean, I, I hate to ask the question if you go down, but I mean, how do you kind of view the future of Wakefield? Is it probably more positive than the, the, where, than the way a lot of our fan base is looking at it? 
Yeah, it's funny for, for me. A bit, I think about 95% of our season, I've been consigned to the fact that we're going down anyway. You know, especially, like I said, the the, the, the landmarks of the, the Cassaway game, the Magic weekend game, um, getting hammered by Lee a couple of times. Um, it was always a case of, right, well, what's what's how are we going to manage to get to Whitehaven or Barrow or Batley next season, you know? Um, that's just what it was. There was no chance, no chance in hell we were getting out of where we were. And and the fact that we're even in this position is an unbelievable bonus. So, and the fact that we could still be in Super League and thriving and also not you down is is absolutely mesmerising achievement if, if we manage it. Um, you're exactly right. We, we are pretty much all the way through our takeover now. It's looking like Matthew Ellis is going to be the new main guy. Um, he's got some huge money from what I hear. Um, he has already helped bring Fafita in, Gailey in, Josh Griffin in. He's the guy behind all all those transfers. Um, and the only thing that's left really with that is the due diligence process, process with um, business business guys coming in and, and obviously Minard sorting his, his people out and Ellis sorting his people out. Um, so that looks like it's pretty much a done deal apart from obviously the due diligence side, which can take months on end. It was probably going to be out until after the season. Michael Carter's already said he will be leaving his position. Um, which is a positive or negative, which, whichever way you look at it. I, I like Carter. He's, he's basically kept us afloat. We are waiting for the Trinity because of Michael Carter. We probably wouldn't have a club without Michael Carter. Um, our stand's looking amazing. Um, I don't know if it'll be the first time you see it tomorrow, Ross, actually, but um, in person. But it's it's genuinely spectacular. It's 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 funny because you've still got the three, the two, the two old style stands which back onto the main road and the and the terraces. You've got the Benedon flats, and then you've got this this amazing new new stand that won't look out of place at Warrington or at Hull or Uddersfield, you know, these these great new stadiums. So that looks really good. And it's not just going to be a stand, it's going to be a bit of an event centre. So you can have weddings in there, you can have functions, you can have parties. Um, so it's going to be something that you can use 365 days a year as opposed to just, you know, whatever it is, 15 home games a year, which is which is a, a huge positive for us. Um, as well as the fact that we've we've had a thriving academy and scholarship system for the past 10 years. You know, we've, we're not only bringing through people into our first team, but we're actually a lot of, you know, on-form players or big-time players in Super League now from us. You know, you look at Tom Johnston, you look at James Batchelor, Lewis Murphy's going over to the Sydney Roosters, depending on, obviously, his injury, and I don't know how well he's going to manage with the game. Um, you know, Yusuf Iden's doing okay at Hull KR. Corey, Corey Hall's doing fantastic at Hull KR as well. Um, so that that's some big, big pointers for us. Um, we've got a pretty solid board. I mean, I, it was a bit of a laugh, laughing stock at the start at the start of the year, but our pitch is now fantastic. You'll see it tomorrow. It looks like it looks like velvet. It's genuinely fantastic. So I think, you know, we 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 got it from every aspect at the start of the year, from the media, from the pundits, from the fans, from some ex players. You know, when when players were coming off the pitch with infections in the knees and stuff, we were getting it from all angles and probably rightfully so. But I think that's why our board just remained calm, kept mashing the job. Because they know that we've got these certain certainties backed up, we do have areas that we're we're lacking in. Obviously, our league position's been not great. You know, we we spout on about we we finished fifth back to back in two seasons, but that was 2016 and 2017, I think, or maybe 17, 18, a long time ago now. I don't even think that comes into question. Um, we've not won a trophy since the you know the playoffs in 1998. <laughs> we won a Yorkshire Cup in 92, if that still counts, um, and. Um, financially, obviously, we, we are the only team that turned a profit last year, actually, in, in Super League, which is a positive. And people still laugh at Michael Carter for his handling of the finances, but he's, he's done really well in that regard. 
Um, and there was something else. Oh, kind of our fan base and social media turnover, arguably it's been the worst in Super League. We we are not a social media team. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to slate certain people or certain teams, but midway through this year, we've got a new social media team, a whole new team, and we started turning it around. As, as daft as it says, we started being more banterous. We started producing memes. We started actually being interactive with fans, with players, with people. Um, and, it, and our interactions have risen, which is great. This podcast helps from what I've heard um, from all regards. So I, I do understand what you mean. I, I'm more positive if we go down that we can stay afloat because we put these contingency plans into place for the past couple of years um, for a long time, actually. And that's why fans were getting really cantankerous about the fact we released Miller, Arona, Fafita, Johnston, Bachelor. Yep. All these play, all our main players last year, and didn't really fill it in because we probably had the feeling of whatever happens, we'll be back up in Super League anyway. Um, I've said a lot there, Dad. I'm probably still on a couple of your points, but we've always had that feeling of we sh- we should be okay at least for a season or two if if we do end up going down. Dad, we've also we, the other thing that that um, we've we signed a lot of players as well. You know, even when we thought when we were sort of bottom of the league, fourteen losses on the trot, and we looked doomed. We, we we re-signed um, Max Jowick, we re-signed Mason Lino, we re-signed mm. Liam Kay, Jay Pitts, Matty Ashurst, Luke Gale's got a two-year contract, Josh Griffin's got a two-year contract. It's like, crikey. And, and initially I'm thinking, what do they know that we don't know? You know, because the other thing that surprised me, none of the Wakefield hierarchy looked bothered. Look, no, not bothered. Look, look worried. You know, when we, we, we come across them quite a lot. And it was like, even though we're bottom of the league, four points of drift, six points of drift, no wins in 14, nobody seemed worried. And it's like, what do they know that we don't know? I'd love to think that IMG are going to step in and say, nobody's going to go down this year. I'm going to move the goalposts at the end. Oh, I doubt it. But oh, who knows? You know, I don't, I'm bringing feathers in to lose up or whatever. Hmm. But that was that was a thing that just sort of, we, we seemed to be planning for, for next year with, with not knowing where we were. And we, we're going to lose some big players. I'm sure Jai Whitbread's going to go. Tanganoa's been touted, but he's hardly done much. He's pulled hamstring and broke his arm, so he's only played four matches this year. So we're going to be going to lose some big hitters. Fafita, I'll have to go. We can't. His wife won't let him stay another year. <laughs> so yeah, that was just our, our, my thing. Where we're, we're signing a lot, we've re-signed a lot for next year, not knowing where we're going to be. Uh, and but the other thing from our, my point of view, you know, it's like we've got momentum now. We're, we're on a, we're on a bit of a roll. You know, if you could actually look at and we've been in this situation before. I know we mentioned it already. Even though we were losing 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games on the trot, when you've watched Trinity for a long time, you think we've done this. We've never been as bad as this, but we can always pull it out at the end. You know, you look at Hull over the years, and Hull ran about August, September, just stop, stop playing, and lose ten on the trot. We get better. We can lose, we can win six out of the last eight and beat St. Helens and beat Wigan and beat Leeds and beat Catalan and beat the rest. I honestly didn't know where we were going to do it this year because our play our team wasn't good enough. And then along comes Luke Gale, along comes David Fafita. And not only along comes Gale and Fafita, but it's lifted the whole team. You know, poor Tom Lynham on the wing was having a shocker of a season. Poor Liam Hood in the middle. I'm a great fan of Hoddy, but he wasn't playing that well. Renoff Tony who come from uh, the Roosters in Australia, he wasn't doing very well. Neither was Proctor. They all lifted themselves. So that's what we've got. We've got momentum as well at the moment, where we actually, where you sit back and think, well, we are we are good at this time of year. Around about August, September, we seem to grow grow an extra an extra head, and off we go. So uh, and and again, it, it, Jamie said it again that it'd be shame one of us one of us is going to go. 
I love the Cass Wakefield games, even though they've lost. We, we, we haven't had a great run in the last ten years. Yeah, you know the Cass Wakefield derbies are fantastic. And a few weeks ago, I was hoping Oldersfield to get dragged in because I think Warrington, Cass had beat Warrington. We beat somebody, and Oldersfield had lost. I think I think they'd lost seven out of eight. And I thought if they get dragged into it, they could worry. And then they went they went to Catalan Dragons and beat them, and that that ended that. So yeah, it's down to down to us, isn't it? And I'd like to think we've got the momentum. So. Uh, all ready for tomorrow. Yeah, that's it. I think that's that, that's it, isn't it? I mean, we've got to look at what you've done over the last six over the last six weeks and just go. Well, they, if they can do it, we've got to back ourselves mm-hmm. to the same. Uh, I think that's ultimately what it is. Like I say, we've talked about it at length. Obviously, like a new coach coming in, new halfback. We should look refreshed. We've had a week off, and yeah, you, you are essentially now. Although you wouldn't have said this a few months ago, pretty much the blueprint of what we need to do. Um, so we can use that as motivation. It's, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting game tomorrow. I think one element of it as well which I think he's, we've said this at nauseam on our podcast over the last nine episodes and it's just as we said at the start of the uh, start of the show this squad shouldn't be where it is really if you look at it on paper or certainly we didn't think so motivation has been such a, a lacking part of this season for Cass it's been, it's been evident there's been there's been efforts that haven't been there you've got to motivate them somehow and if you can't get motiva- motivated by this six weeks there's an element Danny Ward coming in is probably the perfect man for that we talked about the Battle of Bellevue earlier. I mean, there was a little bald lad playing at prop for Cast that night. Yeah. He went down to Danny Ward. He played in that game. You know, he's been there. He's done it. He's been on the receiving end. I mean, if that doesn't, if he can't get him fired up by literally sitting in that Bellevue changing room tomorrow night and saying, you don't want to feel like this in two hours' time. I mean, that's an element of it. I mean, we've talked about the home record you've got against us. It's 10 years. It's very rare that the same thing can be probably put up as a team talk in both changing rooms. But, you know, you've got you've got a home, you've got a home record to win back. We've got a home record to defend. You can say the same thing. There's so many different elements of tomorrow and it's it's, it's a great thing, really. Like I say, it's, it's really kind of brought the fire back into the Caswakefield rivalry, to be fair. We talked about it earlier, about Leeds are kind of overtaking it and Leeds is the real rivalry, but it's felt big this year, hasn't it, Caswakefield? I mean, I say it really will be a shame if that is the case and next year uh, one of us will be out of there. I mean, there's always a little bit of bit of Bit, well, not even sweet on our, on our side of things, but you look back at 2006 as well. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the year Wigan weren't doing too well and then signed, uh, brought in two players and then were done two years later on the salary cap, Michael Dobson and Stuart Field, and then all of a sudden they could have been right down there as well. And maybe it wouldn't, wouldn't even be Cass or Wake, uh, Wakefield finishing just above Catalans. So, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been either of us that year either, but, but there we are. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think <laughs> it's a really tough one. It's a really tough one, but yeah, I'll be there. I'll be cheering them on. Obviously, everyone listening to this, I'm sure, from a cast uh, perspective, we're making the trip over. Uh, we've bought up all our tickets very, very quickly. I think we sold our allocation five, six weeks ago. Um, I dare say we might have bought a little bit of your allocation. The fact that you've put your tickets back in the riding centre behind some locked doors <laughs> after a while. Uh, I think we took a few of those, so it'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be some atmosphere tomorrow night. I think, and uh, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic I think is the is the right way to go in what's your scores on the doors fellas what, what are you predicting I'll let you kick off Adam oh god it's going to be a very interesting one um, I'm not 100% sure on scores but I think we'll obviously go with a cast win I'm thinking by eight by eight okay um, I think we should alternate so Lee do you want to go next 
I, I never predict. If I, if I were any good at prediction, I'd be a millionaire and winning the lottery. But I'd be happy with a 13-point win. And what that basically means, we're three scores ahead and there's no worry. I'd love to, I want to be going in the last 20 minutes with no stress, no golden point stuff, no five-point points difference. I want a 13-point lead halfway through the second half. Preferably 30-point lead, but 13 will do. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go cast by four. I don't think there's a lot of points on the field, if I'm being brutally honest, either side. Um, I think defences are going to be as good as they've been this year, but play both sides as well. I, I can't see a points first by any means. Um, I'm going to go cast by four. I think we can just edge it. Hopefully the, the kind of injection of Blake Austin there can get us over the line. I must admit as well, although I, as you just say, I don't want any golden point. I don't want any of them kind of shenanigans, but the spectre of Jacob Miller and Luke, Luke Gale being on the field at the same time for either opposing sides is yeah. pretty terrifying that, Jamie, isn't it? Definitely. I, I, even though we spoke about it numerous times, it never clicked really that they were playing for kind of their idolised teams as well in, in, a, in the biggest game of the season. But equally to Dad's point, if, I'd love to win by 13 points regardless, but that would not only obviously take us above you because we were 10 points and 8 points, we would get a better points difference than you as well. Um so that would work more to our advantage than just winning by a point. I think this is going to be a super, super tight game. And it wouldn't even surprise me if at half-time it's something like 4 all or potentially a nil-nil. Um, I don't think it'll be t- very open. Um, I'll, I say that, it'll be 20 all at half-time now, I've said that. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm going to pull for a Wakefield win. I think it'll be tight. Um, it depends what team we put out. Sometimes... Well, actually, every game this year that he's played for feet has come off the bench. Sometimes in the past couple of years, he's started him to kind of get things rolling really quickly. Um, and that gets the ball rolling for us a lot better. But at, at the minute, we've been bringing Fafita off the bench with Proctor and um, sometimes with Tony as well. And they are three big boys coming off the bench at the same time. Um, and if we're starting with the likes of Griffin, if we're starting with the likes of, of Pitsy and, and Eddie Batty and Jai Whitbread, who is a, a fantastic player and, and too good for us, actually, Jai Whitbread, he probably won't be with us next year. We could hopefully get a lot of metres on you very quickly, which I'm hoping for. Gailey and Lino can score and, and maybe in his scene you can get a couple of tries. I'm, I'm, I think it'd be very tight half time. I'd love for us to run away with it in the second half. I'm going to say yours by about 10 plus. Um but that's just praying that Austin doesn't have his best game of the year. Um, but that that that's for me. Like I say, I won't be there unfortunately. I'll, I'll be gutted if I can see any of the game. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be delighted. But I'll, I'll be relying on Dad sending me some some WhatsApp messages through. And if he's not messaging me, that's I think no no news is good news if anything. But um, yeah, I'm going to go for a Wakefield win. So as expected, the two Wakefield boys have gone for Trinity and the two Cast boys have gone for Cast. But you won't have it. Any other way, and uh, Ross, I'll, I'll let you just close out on on your podcast, and we'll uh, we'll close down properly. Yeah, cheers, Jamie. Yeah, it would have been a bit strange, wouldn't it, if we'd gone for Wakefield when you gone for Cast? <laughs> <laughs> would have been a bit strange. Uh, yeah, cheers, cheers for uh, doing this, chaps. Really, Obviously, you, you came up with the idea. I'll give Jamie the uh, the credit for that. He, he, he popped up to me and gave, gave me the idea. For, well, gave us the idea for this, and uh, I think it's I think it's been great. I've really enjoyed myself the last two hours. I really have. I hope you have. Uh, listening at home, uh, we are going to get this out Thursday night. Uh, it might be a little bit late, but if you listen to Thursday night, uh, you're keen. I like it. Uh, if you listen on Friday, I hope it's done enough to maybe not calm the nerves, but uh, certainly entertain you before before this evening. Thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, Cast fans, uh, thank you for the support as well. Obviously, we're a little bit different to you guys in the sense that we're only 10 episodes in. Uh, I've only been doing this two or three months, and the support has been uh, amazing, to be honest. Um, I think. I did say on episode one, the fans might be might be crying out for something like this, a bit of a voice, and apparently so. Uh, the support's been been immense. So thank you, everyone, who, can, who continues to listen. I've got uh, plenty of big plans going forward. 
Um, yeah, in terms of tomorrow night or tonight, if you're listening on Friday, um, get yourself down there, have some fun if you can. Watch through your fingers if you have to, um, and ho- hopefully we get the win. Um, thanks to Adam as well. Adam's, you know, third episode now, isn't it, mate? Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, there'll be many, many, many more to come. Um, but yeah, before I pass over to you, uh, Jamie Lee, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Uh, Lee, especially those stats are brilliant through the middle. Don't say they're boring. They're not. I love the heritage. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, that was as entertaining to us as it was any Wakefield fan, I assure you. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Coif. And uh, yeah, take it away, Jamie, for your uh, outro. Superb stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 106 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for further information and real-time updates on the podcast. We've still got a couple of strong podcasts coming through into the final end of the season. We've actually got coming up this Monday night, we've got Ben Cocaine. He's obviously an OKI boy by trade, but he he had a crack in two or three seasons at us, so we've already pre-recorded that ahead of our fantastic win against Castleford, I'm sure. And we've got some fantastic guests lined up up towards the end of the season. Massive thank you to my co-host, my dad, Lee Robinson, and the boys from the Coif cast in Ross and Adam coming on. Well done, boys, episode 10. And, and I've listened to a few already, and I'm sure you'll be making episode 100 in no time. Massive thank you to everybody that has listened um, up the train tomorrow night or tonight, if you are listening on the way to the game, on the way to Bellevue. Like I say, I'll be, I'll be sunning it up in Belfast, so uh, hopefully fingers crossed for a Trinity win. I've been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road.